coming up on episode 84 of Pixel Gaiden. Tim discusses his early arcade memories. Cody talks about his computer feels. Have you ever been insulted because of this hobby? Or perhaps you found some roadside treasures. Six good modern indie titles. Some more lost games have been found. Cody and Eric get excited about new controllers. Tim's excited about a new VIC-20 game. And Cody looks forward to some floppy nights. Well, it is June, and aloha, Eric. Aloha and mahalo. Ooh, you know two Hawaiian words. Now, where did you pick that up? I picked it up in Kauai, in Hawaii, went on vacation with the family. First vacation we've taken in like three or four years, and a real vacation, not an extended weekend. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. Wow. Really insightful time in Kauai. Yeah. Kauai is pretty cool. Yeah, it That's was a fun. cool lot. I've never been to Kauai, but it's, I know it's like the you know, a lot less populated. So it is, it's the the green Island. Yeah. It's the green Island. So there's lots of plants and shrubbery. It's where, it's where they filmed the Jurassic park movies. Yeah. So, uh, and we got to see that whole like little Canyon area where they, the film, you know, when the the first one where they're flying in with the helicopter, got to see that whole, whole deal. Clever girl. Clever girl. (laughs) Very cool. So did you guys, uh, get, do any retro game shopping over there in Kauai or, uh, I looked, (laughs) There was nothing. Yeah. There was nothing. There was nothing at all. In fact, when I looked up video games in general, I looked up retro gaming, looked up video games. It said Target. Target? <laughs> nice. Yeah. That was it. Oh. There's not even a GameStop that I could find. I gonna, that's, so. what, that's what I hate around, you know, around here is you type in games or uh, video games anywhere and you just get so many GameStops, you can't find anything else. You're just like, get them out that's of right. the way. Um, but no, the towns were very small, almost like villages. So there wasn't, there was, there was none none of that at all. I I brought my switch though, so I could play some games and you didn't, that's what I'm going to do. You didn't go to the, uh, to local chief and see, uh, what, what selection he had in his hut or, uh, is that not how it works out there? I saw no local local chief. Um, sorry, I know we're supposed to start a a retro video game show here, but I have to point out. So another one of my buddies, right when you were coming back, actually, you guys probably overlapped a little bit. Uh, went went yeah. to Hawaii, and um, I, he's, I didn't realize he was in Hawaii and sent me a picture of some laser discs, just some random oh. laser discs. And I'm like, oh, cool, laser discs. What are you, what are you doing? He's like, I'm at a swap meet. Uh, he's like, are you looking for any of these? And I'm like, no, no. I'm like, uh, not necessarily, but thanks. I'm like, where, where yeah. are you at, Roseville? He's like, no, I'm in Aloha Stadium. Aloha like, Stadium. So <laughs> is that Honolulu? I think so, yeah. And yeah, so yeah, th- I mean, I can imagine there's a bunch of stores there, retro gaming or otherwise. But then so. I put it together. I'm like, okay, first, you must be on vacation with your family. Yeah. Second, you're at a swap meet. And then I asked him, I'm like, yeah. what are you doing at a swap meet? And he's like, it's our first day here. And that's what the kids wanted to do. They like saw it somewhere that Aloha Stadium has a weekend swap meet and they wanted to go to it. So that was their first stop. <laughs> that's all. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm I jealous. would want to do that. Yeah, I'm jealous. I would want to do that. Yeah, when we went to Arizona, 
that one of the first days we went, went to some crazy swap meet in Arizona. Love it. Yeah, it was great. Oh, I forgot. Uh, welcome, listeners, to uh, Pixel Guide N. <laughs> You're home for everything retro and retro-inspired video game and otherwise. Speaking of retro, Eric is wearing a Retro Rewind t-shirt, so that's cool. I am. I am. Looking good on the t-shirt. Um, yeah. This is episode four. This is uh, June, which is a weird month that uh, we had 102-degree weather like three days ago, and then two days ago it rained. Um, at least up here. It was bizarre. Uh, nonetheless... I uh, want to let you guys know we are part of the Amigos Retro Gaming Network, which you can catch other shows such as Amigos Everything Amiga, ARG Presents, Sprite Castle, and many, many more. So please check those out. Uh, coming up on the show this month, that's right, this month, uh, because we le- release episodes, you know, today on the 15th and the 30th of every month. Um, starting with today's episode, Eric, we have a tea time with Tim. Tim is a... Uh, uh, phoning it in for us this week with an early arcade memories special. Yeah, so I'm should be good. looking forward to that. Uh, I have a Cody's corner. Uh, I do part two of my um, my feels my the feels of the uh, console segment I did last time is being followed up by the feels of my computer collection this time, where I kind of give um, just quick thoughts when I look at a console on my shelf. I you know the feeling you get. I don't know how to explain it better than that. You just kind of yeah. You know, good, bad, nostalgic, uh, indifferent. I don't know. Um, like when I look at my N64 and go, woof. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like <understand>. that. <laughs> um, we also are going to be doing the news as we like to do. Eric, you and I will catch up on some news. Uh, remember, it's yep. news to us. It doesn't always mean it's like news news. Um, and then we have a six good game segment today. Right, Eric? We do, and you picked it, so why don't you tell the people, the great people, what uh, we, we you selected. Well, it is six good modern, how do I put it, modern indie games? Modern? Yep. Yeah, modern indie games. That I one. hope that's what it is, because that's what I picked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of thinking retro-inspired, but new. Um, okay. We'll get into why I picked that later, but uh, that is this episode. And on the 30th of June, we'll release episode 85, in which, Eric, you will have your take, which is a surprise at this point. It's a mystery. Because I didn't, I didn't record it because I was on vacation. It's a mystery to everyone, including you. But we'll get that in here. here I will. Hear here what Eric has to say. Uh, Tim will, of course, be joining us so that we can catch up on all things American and UK and retro gaming. Um, we have a game show, as we like to do. I think Tim is MCCing that one. <laughs> yes. And then uh, we have a battle of the systems, which you picked this time, Eric. I did, and the, the the genesis of this was that we were going to do a fighting game, but it turns out they're not real fighting you games. Kinda, you pick. tried to give me an out. You tried to give me an, uh, an I out. Did. So, cause I did. So I, I would call them more brawling platformers, but they are Super Smash Bros. on the N64 versus... Uh, Power Stone. Power Stone. Yeah. yeah, Power Stone. Power Stone on the Dreamcast. Awesome. So we'll get to that next episode. So... Uh, this episode, we like to start, as we always do, with some quick questions. Quick questions! And Eric, it looks like the first question is served up by yourself. And before we start, I gotta tell you something. Uh-oh, uh-oh. What are we doing? <laughs> we're, we're, we're two grown men, and we're talking about toys and video games. What... What do we do with our lives? Who who are we? We must not be successful in any way, shape, or form. (laughs) 
Exactly. So let me let me lead that right into my quick question. Has anyone ever said your gaming or retro gaming hobby was childish or stupid or even insinuated as or such? Insinuated. Do you get the eye rolls? You know, so, so, you know, Twitter is a great place and a terrible place. Um, mm -hmm. I hear about, you know, because obviously my Twitter account is mostly game stuff related to Pixel Gaiden and, and the like. And I hear about all yeah. these people who talk about that or ask that question. And people respond with oh, all the time and it's not. About the I've never once in my entire life, Eric, had another person, at least in my adult life, had another person look down on me or insult me unless I was being completely naive to it. Uh, okay. For the most part, when you tell them what you like, they mention systems and you're like, I, yeah, I've got that one. And they freak out and they're like, like oh, we've got to play it sometime. Like I've, I've never gotten or else at worst, they just go, oh, cool. You know? Yeah. I don't know. What about you? Have you gotten that? <laughs> so I've got two things. Oh, really? <laughs> so I, I agree with you 100%. Usually when I bring it up, uh, people, they might be curious because they're like, well, you know, what, I don't know what that's all about. But they generally are pretty positive about it. And then they start reminiscing about their old systems or games that they played. But uh, the, the one that sticks out the most for me is that my... Uh, when I was going to convert my this room that I'm in, my game room, yeah. it used to be a spare bedroom, like just with a bed and a boring bed, a boring dresser, blah, blah, blah. And I said, this is a waste of space. I mean, people spend maybe a week, a year in this room. So I'm going to make it a game room. Love it. And we can put a bed in here. We can put a hideaway bed or whatever, but I'm going to make it a game room. And my wife agreed and everybody was happy. But then when my mother-in-law heard about it, <laughs> she, Pause she for blew... She, it's not even her house. She blew a freaking gasket about really? it. Really? Yeah, she was just like, "What do you mean you're not going to have a guest room? That's ridiculous. A game room? What do you need to do that? Maybe people should grow up." And blah blah blah. <laughs> it, it was, and she didn't say that to me. She said it to my wife, but my <laughs> wife told me. <clears throat> so I thought that was funny. I thought it was funnier than anything. I'm not mad. I don't care. I mean, it's my house. I'm going to do what I want with yeah. it. Yeah. But um, then the the second thing is just recently, just a week ago, I was interviewing. A person. So one of my clients lost their IT guy. Okay. So, and I, I'm an IT consultant just for people that don't know that. So they asked me, Hey, can you please interview people? We don't know what we're talking about. Interview people for this position. And I said, fine. And so I interviewed this one guy and he was kind of a quirky guy, but he's nice enough. And he, I asked him all the relevant questions or whatever. And then when he left, the CEO of the company was like, yeah, you know, he seems a nice guy. But when I when I interviewed him a week ago, he mentioned his his big hobby was retro gaming. What a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, if, I, if I heard that right, he said that to you about the other guy. He said it to about the other guy. That's so this hilarious. wasn't about me, but. But I, I just kept my mouth shut. I was like, oh, hmm, no, you, wow. you should have been like, oh, wow, you're right. Anyways, here's my uh, my the card for my podcast <laughs> in case you ever want to listen to it. <laughs> exactly. And I always keep them in my pocket. So I could have done that. So but anyway, those are the two funny stories. What a about waste that of question. Anyway. Yeah, so <laughs> the only ones I will mention. So we're, we're family related, but it was much younger. I was in my sister was in like senior year of high school or something. And I was probably so I would have been eighth grade going into into high school. And I remember being at a, a Christmas party for the whole family. We had these big family get-togethers. And somebody had turned on the GameCube and, you know, one of the kids, the younger, younger kids, and they were playing Super Monkey Ball. And it looked so cool. Yeah. And I'd never seen it or played it. And I'm like, that's cool. And so I grabbed the controller, you know, after when they were done or whatever. And I was sitting there playing it for like 10 minutes. And 
my sister, you know, in high school at that point, because she was so much older and wiser and cooler, she said something to the effect of like, why are you playing video games? That's lame or whatever. That's really right. like the extent <laughs> of anything I've ever heard. And she's since, you know, grown up as, as have I, and it's not an issue. She's never worried about it. In fact, she's, she's seen my collection and, you know, patronized me and thought, said it was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> right. But it's, I was thinking it's funny because my dad, he never, never would play a video game. Just I'm not interested. And like, nope, not going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. Even if it was something he was really interested in, like a topic he'd be interested in. Nope. Those video games. Uh, and he would say that, you know, I just, I just, I just think it's a waste of time. Right. He didn't say it about yeah. me or what it for, but for him, it was a waste of time. And he would tell me that as he's like, just sitting in front of the TV, drinking a scotch, watching movies. I'm like, how is that right. any different? How is that? How is it any I mean, different? I'm not just, You're I'm exactly not trying to be right. defensive and say movies are stupid. I love movies too, but like, I don't, right. you can't say one's a waste of time and one's not. They're both just that's entertainment. Right. I mean, they're both waste of time. That's the point of them. Yes, they are. They're a waste of time. That's, you know, that you, if you enjoy it and you want to enjoy your time anyways, I don't know, whatever. You're right. You're right. But that brings me on to <laughs> uh, a, a certain company that will help you waste your time for years to come, Eric. Yeah, you could get a snazzy t-shirt like the one I have on, which people can't see because we're an audio podcast, but it is the Retro Rewind t-shirt. You can get it on his website. High quality, I might add. Yeah, high quality. high quality tea. So anyways, hop on over to RetroRewind.ca. <clears throat> that is RetroRewind.ca. Yes, it is in Canada, but as Eric can tell you, uh, many times he has used them. Many, uh, many a quick ship. Um, quicker than within the U.S., so don't worry about that. Um, all kinds of awesome things to keep your Commodore machines running and or your Tandy Cocoa machines running. Uh, everything from the Commodore 64, 128, 16, plus 4, Amiga. And uh, I'm just looking at some of the hard hitters here, Eric, that uh, if you don't have this stuff yet and you are into the Commodore 64, you need to make sure you have most of this stuff. But uh, he's got dead test carts, diagnostic carts. Uh, my favorite where he takes the dead test cart and diagnostic cart and somehow makes a cool case where he has each cart on each end, so you just flip it around. <laughs> puts them back to back. I love yeah. it. So you can just flip the cart around, put it in. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Went from the, yeah, it's called the dual diag. Uh, he's got the C64 free load so that you can, uh, uh, it's a modern fast load cart, which is really cool to get your games up and running quicker. He's got a diagnostic four in one cart, um, the ultimate diagnostic cartridge for your Commodore 64. Um, man, everything in here. He's got a kernel switcher. He's got extra cart cases and, and, uh, you know, what do they call them? Raw modules so that you can load, you load your own game on there. Uh, joypad adapters, Wi-Fi modem, and they all have a, a great look to them, uh, with a really cool sticker design that just makes them look, you know, as, as quality as they are, Eric. Um, Correct. And the prices are amazing. I don't know how he gets it so low. Oh, very, very good price. And we got to mention the Kung Fu Flash because the Kung Fu Flash yes. is a great way to put all the games you want onto a cartridge and do so much more than that. Um, but for only $65, Eric, that is a that is a way to play all the games and all the programs and do all the things for the most part that you could want to do with your Commodore 64 uh, using just the cartridge slot. But Eric... Yeah. What if you don't want to pay $65? You don't have to. Really? You don't have to. If you put in the code PG10, Pixel Guiden 10, PG10, you can get 10% off. So that means that is $6.50 off, Eric, under $60 for a Kung Fu Flash cartridge at RetroRewind.ca. Tell them Cody and Eric sent you. 
Exactly. I'm not sure how you do that, but tell them anyways. Just yell at your computer. <laughs> Just yell. We have our next quick question, Eric. Yep. Uh, I can read this one if you'd like. Um, it's from P- our friend Pajaco6502. Commodore reference. Yes. He <laughs> says, have you guys ever acquired any roadside retro pickups? Either someone has dumped stuff, dumped stuff or as it's apparently usual uh this is messed up i'm gonna try to decode this either someone has dumped it or it appears uh, it appears unusual in some place just left it outside their house for people to take yeah um i think i get i get i get the gist yeah i think he's saying apparently it's usual that some people actually do that in some areas yeah so not garage this isn't a garage sale this isn't anything like that this is like something meant for sitting on the curb either garbage or with a sign that says free take my stuff yeah why don't you go ahead? Um, so it says retro pickups. Gaming-wise, yeah. no, I haven't. I've never seen anything, and I would, that would be awesome. I've picked up a couple monitors, I believe, that way. Um, yes. The only... The best story I have on this, and this... <laughs> so the answer is no. That's a boring answer, so I'm going to give you a story about a pickup, though. So I was... Okay. Um, this would have been in college, and I was trying to put together a, a kind of like recording thing, kind of like I have now, and I wanted some sound editing material, right? And as you know, Eric, the sound editing stuff isn't cheap, you know, to get a pack of no. some of these, it's like 12 bucks for like 100 or 100 bucks for like 12 squares or something. That's right. Um, so, you know, being the, uh, the the ingenuitive person I am, I looked into buying those egg crates you get in, in college to put underneath your mattress to make them more comfortable, right? That's right. That's but even right. those cost money, Eric. So, um yeah. I remember leaving my girlfriend's house. She lived in the kind of like uh, the house, the college housing houses. Uh, so I was, I was left her house and I was driving down the street and I see one of those egg crate things sticking out of a garbage can. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh heck yeah. That's like, I'm turning that into a recording booth. Uh, so yeah. I pull over to the road and lift the lid of the trash can and my phone starts ringing. And I tried to ignore it and I grabbed the, the foam and lift it out and I'm going to put it in my car and my phone starts ringing again. And I finally look down and it's, it's my it's my girlfriend who is now my wife. And yeah. I answer it. I'm like, yeah, put it back. <laughs> <laughs> she says, put it back. I'm like, what? No, that's exactly what she's like. Cody, that's garbage. Put it back. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and unfortunately that carries on to this day. She's very supportive in certain things, but dumpster diving is not one of them. Um, yeah, I can understand that. Uh, the last time I saw a monitor just a few months ago, sitting on the side of the road, it was like a 13 inch. She's like, you don't need another one. We're not pulling over to get that. I'm like, that's a good working monitor. It's right there. That's yep. probably 50 bucks just sitting there. You know, nowadays they're going up. So that's the best I got. What about you? No video gaming equipment or computers. Um, but even in my little circle that I live in here, just maybe six months ago, this lady put out three CRTs like really? just from her, from her house, like TVs, varying sizes. Um, the only problem was that if at this point I have so many that if they weren't Powell, pal, I didn't need them. Cause the one, the main Toshiba that I use, I love, but it's only NTSC. Yeah. So if I could get one that did NTSC and pal, that would be the Those best. Those are not so, going to be common though. No. And so I looked through these and I even sat there on the side of the road with my phone out, looking up the model number. 
because a lot of sometimes you'll 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 find some like some of the old Sony Trinitrons are both. Yeah, my, my Hitachi, um, I have it specifically for that reason. But the only yeah. reason I got it is because my buddy had it since he was in the military. He bought it in England, and brought <clears throat> yeah. it back with him, and it does both. It does both, but it doesn't say it anywhere on there. You wouldn't know just by looking at it, right? And so none of these did, so I did not pick them up. But with with that said, someone from my work about. I don't know, a year year or two ago said that they were going to throw out three CRTs. So that kind of counts. And I did take two of them. Um, this big TV that is still in my garage. Yeah. It's a giant CRT. I mean, this thing is huge. And then this little one that has wood paneling on the sides, it's RF only, <laughs> no composite, nothing. Um, I did put that one. I did recycle that one eventually because it was just sitting in my garage and I was never using it. Um, but that big CRT, I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to get rid of it. It's, it's a great one. It looks great. It's giant. You know what, Eric, but it's, I might need to huh. take that from you or trade you for it really? or something at this point. Cause I have one good size CRT, but it's yeah. a very cheap one and it's always done well. Um, it's, you know, it's cheap. It's called, it's a Daewoo or something. It's a no name, um, yeah. import, but uh, the problem, the only problem with it, the main problem with, it, I mean, it's kind of a fuzzy screen, but I don't really care. I mean, that's, it's kind of part of the CRT thing, but <clears throat> the problem with it is no matter what picture you put on it, you, yeah. you're losing about eight to 10% of the screen off the edge. And there's no like adjustments or anything. It's just how the TV's built. So yeah. like when I, for example, uh, pull up some of my, um, multi carts and stuff on my video games, like you can't read the first couple letters of the game list. Oh wow! You can't adjust that in, or anything. No, right? I can't. There's no way to adjust it. Or certain games, like the you know the score or the your lives will be half half off the screen, things like that. Yeah. So um, I might, and now I have the room for it, so I might have to take you up on that. You just can't let my wife know. That's right. We'll sneak it. We'll sneak this giant TV that weighs about three hundred pounds. We'll sneak that in somehow. Oh, we will. We will. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> okay, we'll do it. I'll just I'll just yell, at, you know, look out the window when you're driving up, and yell, Becca, Becca, look at that. What's that over there? And then she'll run off that direction. <laughs> we sneak it in real quick. Yeah, <laughs> and then I'll back up the semi <laughs> in with this giant. Beep, beep. Cody, what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Just keep looking. <laughs> um, twenty two minutes in, Eric. Cool. I think it's time to start the show. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, what do we typically do at this point? We uh we uh we talk about how you can get a hold of us, Eric. You can get show information on our podcast at pixelguiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And you can reach Cody at oddball which is at oddba1149 you can also reach me that's tim at sanxion and that's at s-a-n-x-i-o-n please review us on itunes or apple podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use it really helps us out you can email us on podcast at pixel guiden.com and we love any feedback and also please let us know if we've done anything wrong and we'll mention it on the next show 
We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And this month, we're just vibing. Welcome to this month's episode of Tea Time with Tim. This month, we're going to be taking a trip down memory lane and talking about some of my early arcade experiences. 
I've recently been very conscious that I missed a lot of early arcade games. Unlike Eric and Cody, I don't have a fully set up MAME arcade cabinet, mostly due to lack of space, and they now cost a small fortune to set up. Okay, I know that's no real excuse. Uh, There are a lot of ways to play all the old arcade games, but I've never really found a good consistent setup. And whenever I do give MAME another try, the ROM sets always seem to be out of date or missing vital ROMs to get them working. I find it all very frustrating. Recently, Eric and Cody did a six good games about arcade games from the 80s that kids of today would like to play. And while listening to this, I realised that I'd missed most of the games that they were talking about. I then got to thinking why it was that I'd never played a lot of these games back in the day. I then realised that in the late 70s and very early 80s, when a lot of these games were released, I was living in a town called High Wycombe in Buckinghamshire. This is around 30 miles away from London. There was very little in the way of arcades, pizza places or shopping malls that had arcade cabinets in them. And the only type of places that had anything like that was not really suitable for me to visit at my age at the time. So I think my age and location didn't help me with my exposure to early years of arcade gaming. I do remember when I used to have table tennis lessons at the Sports and Social Club of the High Wycombe University that they had a Space Invaders arcade machine. And when my parents used to go to bingo in the bar area of the bingo hall, there was a golf cabinet. But that's pretty much the limit of some of my early games. The next time I would see anything is when when I would go on holiday with my parents and we would go to coastal towns that had big arcades. But it was then down to my time allowed, money to spend in them, and if I was allowed to go in them in the first place. As I got older, into the mid-80s, I was allowed to go into the town centre on my own or with a friend. Not far away from the computer store I used to frequent and went on to work in, there was a dark, dingy, smoky arcade. Somewhere I know my parents would not have been very happy that I would go in. It was one of them long kind of L-shaped buildings. You would walk in and the limited daylight that came through the narrow entrance was soon engulfed by the low lighting and the general haze from the smoke-filled area. This made for a massive assault on the senses as the darkness highlighted your other senses and the constant sound of all the arcade machines battling over the sound of each other, either being played or in demo mode with the sound on full blast. You would often walk up to one cabinet and they would have the metal cigarette ash trays built into them, a pile of ash in the tray and stubbed out ends in them. The glow from the screen would reflect back on your face as you stare at the screen to see what this game was all about. I can clearly remember some of the cabinets uh, in that arcade like it was right in front of me. There was Kung Fu, Arkanoid, Double Dragon, Pac-Man, Space Invaders, Galaga, Galaxian and Pac-Land. I don't seem to remember any pinball Uh, machines but I would find it hard to believe that there wasn't it was just not on my radar pinball at the time seemed somewhat antiquated compared to the glow sights and sound of the arcade cabs the real magical times I can remember are the years I would go to two specific places on holiday the first of which is the Dorset coastal town of Weymouth I used to go 
here most years with my parents and grandparents but as I got older it was mostly just with my parents. We would often spend the day on the beach going down early in the morning packed for the day with towels, windbreaks, coolers, food and drink. I can remember spending a few hours on the beach and then feel the pull of the arcades. This was the perfect opportunity for me to get in the arcade bugging my parents for a couple of hours and then taking the chance and when they're just on the edge of distraction I would say can I go visit the arcade by this time they were just happy to not have me bugging them for a while so I would grab some money from my savings from my mum who always in charge of my money and head off down the road to the arcade the biggest one along the seafront was right near the end uh, near the docks called Alexandra Palace or Ali Pali as we used to call it this was a massive arcade and was packed full of the latest and some of the older cabs as well all at 10 pence a go which was a real bargain if you look back at it I can remember some of the earlier games but by then we were on to games like a full sit-down outrun cabinet that I used to spend loads of time on I have a lasting memory of Xevious for some reason Enduro Racer was an actual bike that you sit on uh, and hang on, uh, a sit-on Spy Hunter as well, and of course the full sit-in Star Wars. Weymouth had lots of other smaller arcades along the seafront, with lots of different cabinets, but there, there were a good mix of games and slots, not quite like Ali, Ali Pali. Another fond memory was one of the, my last family holidays. I was going to the Hampshire coastal town called Hailing Island. Now, this was about the time my brother had left school and was working. Just before I was about to leave school, we took one of my friends, John, with us. Both John and myself had part-time evening jobs and we saved up a ton to go away for this week because we both wanted to hit the arcades and also have enough money maybe to buy a C64 game at the end of the week. I seem to remember we both had around about 60 to 70 pounds each saved up and that was a lot of money back then. The first full day we were there we pestered my mum to go to the arcade. I can remember being in the arcade for most of the day on and off. And when we got back to where we were staying, we realised that we had burnt through almost half of our money for the week, just in that one day. My mum was not happy at all. The next few days, we were not allowed anywhere near the arcade. There were so many games to play in the different arcades, but a few that stuck in my mind was an actual bomb jack cab. I can remember the sound of that one even now and seeing it. iRobot and an actual fully working Firefox Laserdisc cab. So if you know anything about those Laserdisc games, it's very rare that they actually got them working for any real length of time, and especially the Firefox one. Not long after that holiday, just outside of the main town, there was a big superstore built, and around this were restaurants and the first for the area, a multiplex cinema. By this time, my friend John was able to drive and we would often take trips up to the cinema, but not to watch a film, but to play in the arcade games there. Now, this was the only ever time I remember seeing an actual Rainbow Islands cabinet. Quite rare, I think, for the time. After leaving school, most of my time was spent working in the computer store and having access to loads of games on all different kinds of computers. And this kind of quelled the need for the arcades for a while. 
However, we did do an occasional trip to London to visit the arcades there. One such trip was a Sunday morning with my friend Darren and one of the guys I knew from working uh, in the shop. Uh, This guy was called Tony King, I seem to remember. Tony worked for a PR company that used to promote games in shops. He would call into our shops, uh, shop and we would talk about uh, game design and creating our own games. Tony was working on a game at the time with two other guys. This game turned out to be Weird Dreams by Firebird. Uh, I seem to remember we woke up one Sunday morning after a long night of gaming and then just decided to head into London and do a run to some of the arcades. I think we ended up in the area where the virtuality systems were located. Uh, I seem to remember seeing them but never really actually having a go on them. So that's a wrap for another Tea Time with Tim. I enjoyed recalling some of my arcade memories for you. If you have any memories you'd like to share, you can jump in on the Discord channel if you're a Patreon. If not, you can find us on Twitter or even drop us an email on the show address. And that's podcast at pixelguiden.com. Thanks again for joining me on this episode. And to play us out of this episode, here's the mellow soundtrack from one of my favourite arcade cabs of all time, Outrun. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the June episode of Cody's Corner. Uh, if you guys were with me last month, you will remember that I kind of talked about the gut reactions I have when I look on my shelf and see all of my retro consoles. Um, kind of the 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 off the cuff instant feel I get for each one of those consoles. Um, kind of like when I don't have a game to play or something like that. You know, what what do I want to pull out? And then I just kind of get. A vibe, you know, from each console, whether it's a a uh, emotional response, something from um, you know the past that brings up nostalgia, or if it's something uh, more current, just about the way the console feels to me, either, either physically in the hand or um, the type of gameplay, things like that. Um, and I got some pretty good feedback on it. Um, I had fun doing it, and um, you know, I was running a little long last time, and that's why I stopped at the end of my consoles. And I figured, why not do a part two this month and cover all of my retro computers? Um, which, again, for the purpose of the show and for, for the majority of what I do with them, it's purely gaming machines to me. Um, I know a lot of people that listen use them for a lot of other things, and that's awesome for me. It's always just about, about gaming. That's what I enjoy about the retro computers. But, um, yeah, let me just look at my shelf here and just kind of get you my gut instinct and what it, what they each mean to me. So, um, I kind of have to crane my neck and look. So if I hop off the mic a little bit from time to time, I apologize, but, um, you know what? In fact, let me just move my microphone here. I know this is very professional stuff. All right. 
Let's start right off the bat, just looking at the top left here, which I've got my TI-99-4A Texas Instruments computer, and I've got the uh, the shiny metal one. Um, and I've said on the show before, but when I think of this computer, I instantly just think of how cool the hardware looks. I mean, that's uh, to me the TI-99-4A uh, is about is about primarily a cool. It's a cool factor. I don't know what to tell you. Um, the games themselves, I couldn't tell you any that I terribly enjoy. Um, I think it is a little bit, uh, you know, it's got its own romantic feel to it, but it's a little stunted compared to other computer computers. But I think about how cool it looks, that shiny stainless steel, the big old sound speech uh, synthesizer thing I've got on the side, the voice module. And then you've got a, another 4K or whatever it is, RAM pack on the side, 32K, something like that. I can't remember right now. Um and I do think about that huge expansion bay that you can uh, buy to keep shoving more and more things on the side of this bizarre, crazy computer and how big it can get. And I kind of want to get one of those uh, just to just to make it as ridiculous as it can be to look cool on my shelf. Um, but I think of that, that the look, and I think of that the sound, the speech um, that some of the games employ, which is pretty cool. Uh, moving down the line here, I am now looking at my uh, some of my Amigas. Actually, it looks like I've got my uh, my original Amiga, the the A five hundred up there, and um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lump in. Oh no, I'll I'll go in, I'll go computer by by computer here. Uh, so when I think of that, I just think. Unfortunately, I, it was my first Amiga, and. It actually, I played. I played some really great games on it. So I did play Loom on there. I think about my experience and nostalgic experience with Loom, and I think of a Secret of Monkey Island, which I played all the way through on the Amiga. So um, I instantly hear that uh, Caribbean Mo- Secret of Monkey Island uh, Calypso kind of theme song. Uh, but my first A five hundred, which I have up there, the uh, and a lot of them had this problem apparently, but they're kind of brittle. Um, over the years, they've kind of the plastics weakened. And I had to open that thing and close it so many times to try to get certain things working and upgrades working um, that every time I undo the screws on that thing, little bits of plastic break off. So when I think of that A500, I think of Monkey Island, good times, and it falling apart on me physically. Um, Now, next to that is a smaller version of that uh, computer, really, called the A600. And when I think of that one, I instantly think of just Tim. That was the... The first computer, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was the first one Tim sent over. It might have been that or the Spectrum, um, but I think of I think of Tim. Uh, he he put time into that and uh, and took it to the local swag meeting and, and some of the his buddies there fixed it up. So thank you again so much for for that, Tim. And uh, it's cool because it is my first PAL computer as well, uh, PAL Amiga, I should say. Um, when I move on to the ZX Spectrum, which is, uh, again, the other one that Tim sent me, it is the true, you know, original, uh, 48K, what do they call it? The dead flesh keyboard, uh, Spectrum. It's a black, I mean, it looks nothing like any of my other computers and it's so unique and so British and I love it. Uh, it's got the little rainbow on the side. Um, it's super small. And when I got it, I just couldn't believe how small that thing was. Um, and when I think of the spectrum, what I think of is, I mean, the cool form factor, of course, but the sounds, uh, what, what I love, my favorite thing about the spectrum period is 
the sound chip was so rudimentary with just like these little clicks and clacks. It's, you kind of have to hear it to, to, to know what I'm talking about. Um, but a lot of the games that were programmed were just programmed in a way where they they didn't have a lot of sound effects, but they put so many sound cues. Like anytime something happens on the screen, a, a sound will happen to the point where it's just like... <laughs> I don't know how to explain it better than that. And it kind of creates its own... I'm going to use a bizarre word here. It creates its own cacophony of sound, um, which is so unique and, uh, I don't know how to say it, visceral or tactical. I don't know. It just, it has this good, great feel to it. And I love that about the Spectrum. And I see the original 48K, I think of that, without the uh, the AY sound chip of later models. Um, next to that, I've got my Apple 2GS. And uh, this one, honestly, one of the first thing I think of, of course, is Oregon Trail because I'm in America here with an Apple computer, so that's that's what we all played as kids, Oregon Trail. Uh, but I also think about one of our uh, our Patreon Patreons subscribers, uh, Josh Malone, because when I got that Apple II GS, uh, along with a, a bunch of other Macs that I have um, on the other wall behind me here, which I can't see right now. Uh, the first thing I did is open it up to try to figure out how to get it to work, and sure enough, the battery was leaking, and that's when I really understood what Josh Malone means when he says all the time on Twitter, get the darn batteries out. Um, so that's what I think, is get the batteries out. Uh, moving on down the line here, uh, they actually have the, the uh, Sinclair, what is it, the, ooh, I'm going to mess that up, uh, the 81, oh my gosh, what's it called? Uh, it is a ZX81. I was I was thinking about ZX. Yeah, it is ZX81, um, which I have in the box up here. And to this day, I have not been able. I have not taken the time to pull out of the box and make it work. Um, so to me, I guess that is just a project that I've never gotten to. I wanted to own one. Uh, it is a US NTSC version, so it's not a PAL. Uh, I th- actually think it's a Canadian one, but anyways, it's NTSC, um, and uh, it, even even a weirder form factor than the Spectrum, um, not quite as as cute, <laughs> uh, but super super hard to use keyboard. It just seems like, but I need to get to that one. I, I don't have much else to say about it. Um, continuing on with the British computers, I've got the BBC Micro over here again. Another uh, send over from Tim. Thank you, Tim. And um, when I see that the, the BBC Micro, uh, which I need to get my Amiga monitors working again so I can so I can pop this thing up, but what, what I think about is, uh, honestly, the first time I turned that thing on, everyone in my house was asleep until they weren't, um, even though Tim had apparently turned down the internal speaker on that thing because there is an internal amplifier and speaker built into that machine when you turn it on. Uh, it is insanely loud, even at low volumes. No idea why they chose to make it, make it that loud. I do not understand, but um, super cool, big, chunky computer makes a lot of noise. Uh, and I, of course, I think of the the witch from Granny's Garden when I think of BBC Micro as well. Uh, next down the list is uh, the Amstrad CPC, uh, which uh, again, Tim helped me get over here. Uh, super cool uh, computer, kind of the odd duck in the kind of big three, the the lesser of the big threes over there in, in England. Um, 
I'm thinking, I think about the, so to get that thing working over here, there's two different voltages and there's uh, two different plugs to power it up. One for the floppy drive, one for the computer itself. So I think of the project I did making a power supply by buying a Meanwell power supply online and then buying a case and fitting it together and drilling holes for air and buying the connectors and putting it all together. And it worked like a charm the first time. I also think of the, um, three inch floppy disks of which Tim did give me a couple and they still run. Once I got it powered up, the, the Amstrad does load from floppy as well. So that's what I think of with the Amstrad. Uh, moving on to the color computer three, uh, super cool computer. Um, had a lot of fun with, with the color computer line of computers. Uh, but the first thing I think of when I look at my color computer is, uh, honestly, unfortunately, a little bit of regret because I have a Coco 3, which I got a great deal on. They've gone way up since I bought it. But I was under the understanding or the misunderstanding that the Coco 3 could do everything a Coco 2 could do, but more, which is somewhat true. Although there are a decent number of games that are Coco or Coco 2 games that just no longer run on Coco 3s. Um, so I sold my Coco 2 because it was a very similar looking computer and uh, didn't need it because why, why would I need it if the Coco 3 could do everything? Um, and it can't. So I am going to be on the lookout to get a Coco 2 again, specifically one with the, uh, they call them the melted keys. They kind of these cool melted flat keys that kind of differentiate it from any other uh, color computer. Uh, moving on, I got my Atari 400 up here, which is modded out the wazoo. Not by me, but because I picked that up from uh, one of my customers who worked at a school district, and I ended up meeting him at his house at a later date. And uh, super cool story there. Um, ended up that he used to help his buddy back in the 80s. He was a, 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 a Atari and Commodore enthusiast back in the day. And he would help his buddy uh, who had a repair shop. So I got all these uh, kind of non-working systems. And some of them I was able to cobble, cobble together some working systems. Um, along with a whole big old box full of you know floppies. Uh, most of which were pirated of course. And uh, manuals. And even the local Atari club like newsletters and zines and stuff. So I just think of that haul and uh, all the cool stuff and history I got with that. Uh, moving on down the line here, I have my Commodore Plus 4, and I, you know, I, I, when I think of the Plus 4, primarily, even though I, I collect these machines for games, I think of the built-in productivity software, which is the whole concept of the Plus 4, right? It's a Commodore 16 in a different looking shell. Um, very cool looking shell. Very, I like the keyboard. I actually very, very much like the design. Uh, but it's built in with that productivity software, which is the most basic. And I do mean basic almost as a, a joke, because I'm sure it's written in basic, uh, like spreadsheet kind of a program, word editing type of a program, kind of. Um, so I just think kind of a business computer, you know, that's what it was supposed to be at least, right? Uh, moving on down the line again, I am now looking at, I'll save that one for later. I'm looking at my VIC-20. Uh, the VIC-20, Commodore's computer before the Commodore 64. Um, what do I think of with the VIC-20? 
I, I would hate to say just kind of like a lesser Commodore 64, right? Poor man's Commodore 64, if you will. Although it was technically the uh, the low cost version of the Commodore computer when the 64 came out, they were selling both. Um, I think of the plug on the side, which is a lame answer. I also think of the game uh, Cheese and Onion, which you can buy from the future was 8bit.com, uh, which is a super cool like platforming game you can get on there. Um, and I think of a, a bunch of, you know, classic, uh, arcade games that were kind of ported to the, uh, the VIC 20, but primarily I think of that plug on the side because mine does have the original two prong plug on the side. And, um, you know, those aren't as common and, uh, the color scheme is, a, you know, I've, it's more garish than the Commodore 64s, most of them, although those all kind of went through iterations, um, which I'll talk about now because I'm onto my Commodore 64, of which I personally keep three now. Um, I have my standard bread bin, which is kind of tan. I have a darker bread bin, uh, which has a real SID in it. My standard bread bin actually has a uh, Swin SID, the replacement SID audio chip. And then um, the one that I am now using primarily is the PAL Commodore C64C that Tim sent over. So I have it in that form factor, which is new to me. It's, it's all bread bins over here for the most part uh, in America. Uh, so to get that Commodore C64C and to get it in PAL makes it compatible with almost all games now um, because a lot of places uh, that were really big in the Commodore scene made PAL version games that would run in PAL territories, but they didn't always switch them to NTSC. Um, and I don't think there's too many games that are NTSC only. It's usually PAL or both. So now I have a play it all solution. Um, but the Commodore, I just think that of the scene, I, that's the, the Commodore scene is, is, you know, since I've been in the, the hobby, uh, super big with all kinds of new games and things coming out constantly. And I hear the Sid music, uh, you know, it's usually the, the techno thing, almost always at like 120 beats per minute. So it's and uh, so I hear that, uh, like a like a what was a Todd Bayless song or was it Robert Bayless, um, and uh, just all the great stuff that's coming out for the Commodore. How much fun it is! It just weekly pulling out the new stuff and trying it out. Um, moving on down the line here, I've got my Amiga A twelve hundred, which is my workhorse Amiga, um, at least until my monitor stopped working. Um, and I've got a bunch of mods and things on that with the uh, with the uh, the cool little dial that can help with the um, virtual floppy disk, which the name's escape me right now. Um, unfortunately, this is because this is the one that I primarily use. It's my best working Amiga. It seems to work really well, run everything. But every time I have an Amiga, I've, I've had issues with it. And so uh, this one was working great up until the monitors I had just stopped working right. Um, so unfortunately, that, that Amiga, even as much as I love it and want to love it and want to use it, it's, it's the one that I just mentally in the back of my mind associate with the monitors failing and just uh, frustration. That's unfortunately just the truth of it. Um, my Atari 800XL... Love this thing. Uh, I think of, I think of uh, with the Terry Hundred XL. The first thing I think of is just the kind of the funky way you have to hold reset and do some things to get certain games to load. 
because um, until you figured that out, it took me a while to figure that out. So there's kind of some kind of like hitches in uh, in in its giddy up to get it running, but um, <clears throat> big old cartridge port right on the top, kind of saying, "Hey, I'm a computer, but I'm a games machine too." Uh, I love cartridges on the Atari 800 XL. Um, that's what jumps to my mind when I'm when I'm looking at that. Now, I just start smiling when I see this next computer. I, I don't know what it is. I can't put a, f- a finger on it, but the MSX2, uh, Japanese 8-bit computer. Mine happens to be a Sanyo one. It's this, uh, kind of all those MSXs are made, they're made from different companies. They all look a little different, but it's this gorgeous, like, slate blue with this weird little uh, jut coming out. It's not a square or rectangle. It's its own weird, unique shape. It's got so much personality to it, and the keys, of course, have all the Japanese characters on them. Um, but when I think about the MSX, I think about all these great games I've I've played on it, and there's so many more yet to play on it, and it feels comfortable to me. And I think it's primarily because uh, Konami did so many games on the MSX. It feels like the, the Nintendo to me. Um, <clears throat> especially the MSX2, which had more power than the standard MSX, although this one is backwards compatible. It can play both. Um, it feels like a, a Nintendo computer to me, and I absolutely love playing games on that. Uh, it doesn't hurt that it has a really cool uh, gamepad that came with it that feels uh, very much like a Nintendo layout gamepad as well. Um, on the far end over there, I got my Macintosh, uh, what is it, an LC2. And my goal, it's out now, but my goal is to get that thing running with a SCSI, uh, what do you call it, a SCSI to SD hard drive solution and run just all the classic Mac stuff that I had as a kid, as well as newer stuff. It is, you know, it, it's just kind of a mid-road classic Mac, but... <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um... I, 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 I guess hope is the feeling I get when I look at that one. Hope for the future. I've got a bunch of monitors. Um, on the back wall behind here, which I can't see right now, I'm not going to try to list them all off, but I've got a bunch of different other Macs, Power, Power PC Macs, um, a bunch of monitors. Um, but I do have one thing over there, which is near and dear to my heart, which is a Macintosh. So I grew up with a Macintosh Plus. I actually have the Macintosh. Oh, shoot, it's going to kill me. Now. I'm not thinking about it right now. It's the Macintosh. Oh, man, I can't think of what it's called right now. But it's essentially the Macintosh Plus, but with a built-in hard drive and a floppy disk drive. Um, oh, it's killing me, and I know people are yelling at their computers right now, telling me which one it is. But um, that's the you know black and white Mac format that I grew up on, and I think of all the games I grew up on. And then when my mom got a new computer, I got to take that old Mac and put it in my room. So that was my first computer in my room that I did things on and that was a predict productivity computer as well as a gaming machine for me because when i was a kid i was using uh the paint program on there and making uh characters which is actually cool because i'd use the i'd blow it up and i'd use the pencil and just you do one pixel at a time basically i was making pixel art back in the day without knowing it um you know i think of print shop and print up those those gigantic banners that went across all kinds of um dot matrix paper uh, I think of this keyboard program I had that turned my keyboard into like a music keyboard and I could play through the speaker on the computer and use different sounds. Um, I think of the game Glider. I think of Mean 18 by Accolade. I think of Shuffle Puck Cafe, which I played hours of on that machine. Uh, so that's my my nostalgia machine right there. And uh, I 
that just about brings me up to my my computers. I think at this point, um, I do have the ZX Spectrum next next to me over here, um, which is typically at this point what I play all my ZX Spectrum stuff on. But I think of all the great new ZX Spectrum specific games that have come out already. Um, I'm hoping more and more will come out. I know the new batch is getting harder to come up with, but when I when I see that computer, it's I mean, that thing is all design. Uh, those little, like, half-moon keys. Uh, it's a super flat keyboard, but it's very tactical, uh, tactile. Um, just the, the, it's all black with these little splashes of red, yellow, green. It's just a gorgeous machine to play on, to touch, to use. Um, but it still keeps those cool little clicky sounds from the original ZX Spectrum as well in, like, the menus and things. And I just love using it in general um so i think that's about it that's that's i I probably again missed a machine or two uh around here but uh that's what i think of when i look at my classic computer collection and uh hopefully that was of some interest to you maybe you agree with me on some of them or disagree or just angry that i point out any flaws at all in any one of your computers but that's uh those are the things i feel so Hope you appreciated it, and of course, leave us some emails or feedback or Twitters, uh, Twitter tweets, and uh, let me know what you guys think about my gut reactions. All right, we'll talk to you next time. And we are back, Eric. I am ready for some news, and maybe, just maybe, some co- a cold beverage. I was going to say I'm not ready for the news because I am not nearly liquored up enough. Exactly. Let's crack open our beers. Now, again, listeners, Eric and I have separated. <laughs> we're on a we're on a separation right now. <laughs> we're on a separation. So it's been it's been a while since we've recorded together in the same room. Uh, which hopefully will change next month, right, Eric? Is that I'm gonna try I'm gonna try my darndest to get out there, drive all the way out there through the snow. Fleet. Through the sleet and get out there and, and uh do that. It should be it should be entertaining because what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to wake up on whatever you put me on to go to sleep, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I'm going to get up super early because I got to go see clients. So I'm going to have bedhead, which for people who haven't Love seen it. me and, and the, the state of my hair lately, my bedhead, my I look like Kramer from Seinfeld. Your bedhead game is uh, is strong. It's very, very strong. So what you're going to sleep on, Eric, is a, a certain egg crate um, piece of <laughs> foam I might have gotten a few years back. It's got bow weevils <laughs> living in. in, the, in, in. <laughs> so this part of the show, if you're new to Pixel Guide In, we open a beer, we drink the beer, we talk about the beer, we rate the beer, and we enjoy the beer for the rest of the episode. So, Eric, you're going to laugh when you hear yeah. my first beer because my buddy came over. Yeah. And... Um, you won't remember this particular beer. My buddy came over. Uh, we watched. Actually, he came over to watch some NASCAR with me on on Sunday. Yeehaw! You know, uh, because oh, I, you know, I almost forgot, Eric. Yeah. Happy Flag Day. Is it Flag Day today? It's Flag Day. Happy Flag Day, Eric. Yay! It's the best <laughs> day of the year. Flag Day. Flag Day. Apparently, it's a holiday. According to my calendar, it's a holiday. It is a holiday. Flag Day. <laughs> Um, nonetheless, he came over, we were watching NASCAR and he brought some beer with him. And, uh, one of the beers, he, he left a few, you know, because he was a good, a good, uh, guest and left some beers. One of them is a Grass Valley Brewing Company beer, which we've had some of these on the show. 
And uh, if you remember one of them, which you drank with me, this is called uh, Brunswick Blondale. Okay. And it sounds like it's going to be a good one. 4.7% alcohol, tall boy, pretty little, uh, pretty little female on the front there, chilling on the beach. Looks like Tahoe. Uh, but what does it say right there again, Eric? If like Kind of like the last Crash Valley Brewing. It, I don't know if you can see that. I can't see it too well because on the Skype when it's the window's very small. I'll give what you a hint. Say? I'll give you a hint. There's going to be something missing from this beer. Your audio broke up really bad there. No, shoot. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. I hope that's not the case. Um, there, this is gluten removed. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, I'm going to pour it and enjoy it. Hopefully this one, it's a lighter beer as a blonde ale, so maybe it won't be as apparent as the last one. Gotcha. What are you sipping on? So I got a, uh, I I know we've had one by this brewery before, but I can't remember if we had this particular one. It's Salty Crew is a blonde ale. Oh, yeah. Did we do the blonde ale, though? I can't remember if we did the blonde ale or the lager. Uh, Well, no, I don't know if we've had the Salty Crew on the show or not, but that's that's Coronado. Is it? No, it's, I think the company's called Salty Crew. Should be Coronado Brewing Company. Hmm. Doesn't say that anywhere on here. Really? Nope. Doesn't say that. No, you're right. Brewed by oh. Coronado Brewing Company. Yes, yes. Which, hint, hint, the next beer I have coming up, Eric, this show is from Coronado Brewing Company. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, I'm having the Salty Crew Blonde Ale. Awesome. We're both having Blonde Ales. Look at that. It's like we awesome. planned it. Eric, cheers. Let's cheers this. And I can see through the little Skype window that you are using Doug's mug. Doug I am mug. using Doug's. It is a Doug mug. It's a Doug mug. Mine's not. Doug mugs were dirty. Okay. Okay. I'm enjoying my Blondale. It is very light and refreshing. Yep. And it may or may not be in my head, Eric, but it is missing a little something. <laughs> is it? It, it? It's good, though, because it's a Blondale. I'm not worried about it. It, it almost makes me feel like I'd, I could drink like 10 of these without realizing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that last one we had that was gluten-free, there was definitely something missing, so, like a body to, like a bodiness. I don't, the exact that's not even same, a word. It's the exact same thing, but um, but I don't miss it as much in this one. It just it makes it more light, more refreshing, I think. So Okay. Yeah. Mine is, uh, it's crisp, unlike... Like, I, I do like blonde ale, especially in during the summertime. And some of them are very smooth, like an 805. This one has a little crispness to it. A little crispness right at the end. Yeah, it's got a little yeah, little bite. Little, hmm. Exactly. Hmm. Exactly. So I'm, I'm digging it. I like it. Okay. All right. So we've got, we both got blonde ales. Yeah. So out of, a, well, this is a retro show. Yeah. So out of, um, what, what percentage is, is the alcohol in yours? Um, oh, probably pretty low if I had to wager. Let me look. Mine's 4.7. Um, 4.5. We'll meet in the middle. Out of 46, Pamela yeah. Anderson's. Pamela, let's go more retro. Let's go Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Marilyn well, Monroe. That, that is retro. Yeah. No, oh, no, no. Okay, Eric, here we go. Okay, Wait, okay. I don't think she's, I don't think she's blonde, though. Samantha Fox. She, I think she's been blonde. She's probably been blonde <laughs> at one point, right? Exactly. Let's she, do Samantha she, Fox. That'll make Tim happy. Yeah, he loves he, those Samantha Fox He does games. love those. He's always talking about Samantha Fox games. Always. Make sure his, his, his whole family knows it. All right. <laughs> Samantha Fox, yeah. Out of 46 of them. Yep. I'm going to give this a... What are you going to give that? 
I'm going to give this a solid 30, 35. I'm going 33 on this one. It's good. Crisp, refreshing. I could drink it all day long. Oh my God. I don't think I'd buy one at a bar particularly, but I could, I could, I could sip on them. Cool. All right. Let's get some news going. So first up in the news. Yeah. Stone Age Gamer, as I like to talk about, Eric. Yes, you do. You bring them up quite a bit. And I have to admit, I don't buy nearly enough stuff from them, as I, but I should. Well, yeah, you could. You should. You could. This is interesting, though, because it's almost a diss, but it's not. Okay. They are now selling fake stereo RCA cables, Eric. I think I heard this before. So um, did I put this in the last show? It might have been. I don't think it. I don't think it was. I'm going to pretend like it. If it was, I apologize. But I'm going to pretend like it wasn't. Okay. Uh, but long story short, um, you can now buy they they call it NES simulated stereo, which is quite to, to be quite honest, BS. It's not it simulated stereo. It is mono, but it feeds it to both speakers. Yeah. So. You've got your red and your yellow for your, you know, audio and your video on one side of this cable. Yep. And on the other side, pre-attached is yellow for video. And now it's red and white. That's right. So they're it not is. simulating separate channels on each side. They are just splitting the mono and putting it into both speakers. That is silly. I mean, when I did my mod for my uh, Atari 5200 recently, it's mm-hmm. the way I did it. Like it didn't like... The mod didn't include that. I just was like, well, I'm just going to split this one into two cables and it's going to route to both of them. Yeah. 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 Or else you can even just jump the red and the white right there on the other side of the RCA connector. That's right. But that's right. Yep. Nonetheless, uh, I'm still probably going to purchase some of these because I have a lot of systems that only have two outs and nothing drives me nuts more than trying to plug into a TV or whatever box that's expecting a left and a right. You're totally right. I mean, and then you have to go find I, a I splitter sometimes. Yeah. So for nine ninety nine, you can pick up a simulated stereo audio video cable, which I think is pretty fancy and pretty useful, to be quite honest. Agreed. Agreed. What else you got going on here? It's like uh, ten marks in the news. So our buddy Ten Mark, he did reach out to me because he told me, "Hey, guess what time it is again? It is time for the Amiga Art Contest 2022." And I do remember, even though I'm not much of a digital artist, I'm not really into the scene. I don't, I don't go out of my way to look at just like the same thing with like mod files, like on the Amiga, like listening to music or SID files necessarily. I mean, I do enjoy all of those things, but I don't go out of my way for them. So I don't really go out of my way, but I will say last year when I looked at the art entries for the contest, there is amazing stuff being made on the Amiga and I tip my hat. There's, I don't have the skills to do the digital art that these artists are submitting to these con- to this contest. They are amazing. And um, for those of you who do are interested in that, this is this is the deal. So this is Tenmark and Pixel Vixen do this every year. I, th- I don't know how many years they've done it now. Definitely over two or three. Um, but this is uh, the 2022 Amiga Art Contest. I don't know when the submission dates are. Do you see that anywhere in here? You know, this is the announcement video, but I haven't actually watched it all the way through or, or you know, because I'm not entering anything. I didn't really look at the dates, but yeah, 
The other cool thing about it is it, it, you think art, you think like uh, pictures or drawings or something, but I know he does everything from photos to music to videos to whatever, whatever art you can make on an Amiga, you can enter it. Yeah. Um, Doug, I think games are art. That's exactly. So I think we should put every game in here now as well. Um, but yeah, pretty cool stuff. Even if you're not big into the scene, like Eric and I are not, what's cool about it is you know, people are entering this stuff um, from all over. So you kind of get to see a year's worth of work kind of all in one, the best work in one contest, which is and amazing work. I mean, some of it just my, my jaw drops. I mean, I, I can't believe this is made on uh, an Amiga from way back in the day. I mean, some of this stuff is amazing stuff. And, you know, I would love to one day sit down with a tracker and try to write some music. Cause I, I have used trackers and stuff like that in the past. So who knows? I mean, if he's accepting that kind of stuff, but I think this is mainly, I don't, I don't know what it is. Digital art. I, it looks like, like art art to me, like Eric, drawing art. Would you think uh, Doug would accept my submission where I hack up my 600, my 1200, my 500 uh, and my 2000 and create um, a Picasso like sculpture. <laughs> yeah. And I name it 10 Mark and just uh, send it to him and see, you know, you think he'd appreciate that? I think so. Make it in the shape of like a Galaga fighter. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Love you, Doug. I just hear I hear him groaning at the destruction of all those beautiful Amigas, which I would never do. I would never do that. I, you would never I kid. do that. But anyway, for, to, to check out the dates and all that stuff, go to AmigaArtwork.com. Perfect. Or just click on our link in our show links. Correct. Um, I'll be Tim this time because Please. you get the next one here. So, um, Rendering Ranger R2, Super Rare SNES, otherwise known as Super Nintendo, Run and Gun from the creator of Turrican is coming to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Switch, and the Super NES. Oh, by wow. Limited, limited Run Games. Wow. So, so, it's coming out on the Super Nintendo as well. Yeah, they've been doing, they've been doing a lot more original hardware stuff, which is cool, but... yeah. Um, they, you know, they, they found a niche and good for them and they're not blaming them at all, but, um, they are able to, and willing to charge an arm and a leg for their stuff, man. Yeah. Um, let's see. I I don't know. I haven't actually seen this yet. So I'm very curious. Rendering Ranger. Um, well, it is not even a, that's not even a video in there. So no, it's a, it's a Twitter link or it's not even, it's just a picture. I would like to see what it is all about. Yeah, physical. It just says physical edition coming to you. I, we, Tim, I forgot. I apologize if I don't know enough about this rendering ranger game, which may, maybe I should know about it. It says it's a shmup, so I'm already halfway sold. Got to bring these it guys, home. One of these now guys down here says, home. "Oh, S word. This is huge. This is huge. Why is it huge? All right, I, I can't. I can't hold off any longer. I'm, I'm looking it up. Yeah, I mean, I bet there's got to be some kind of picture of it on YouTube. Some there we go. So long play snes. So the game that so was is it already out? If someone um, it says it's a nineteen ninety five side scrolling shooter. Yeah, yeah. They were saying this was it's being released. Okay, so it's coming game. to modern modern stuff, but then they're gonna re release it on SNES. Let me skip ads here. Let me skip ad here. Oh my gosh. There's all right, there's Virgin Interactive. Yep, yep, you've got a logo. Gotcha. Because I honestly I've never heard of Rendering Ranger. There you go. Yeah, it's like Turrican. Looks very Turkin y. Oh yeah, he's even a platformer. And it even just moves and shoots like Turrican. I can just tell by looking at it. Uh, apparently, it was a forgotten game. All right. I need to. So, it's a Turrican-like. You guys are going to listen to us figure this out live on air here. 
So according <laughs> we're doing to the research, we're doing the research so you don't have to. W- w- alongside you. Alongside uh, apparently, you. this was only released in Japan and has gone to be one of the rarest Super Famicom titles in existence. So, Oof. a rare Japan-only game created by Rainbow Arts, published by Virgin Interactive for the Super Famicom-only 1995 side-scrolling action video game. Cool. That's way look, cool. It looks really, really good. So I, I'm gonna need to get a. I'm gonna have to get 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 me one of them things you download from the internet and the interwebs. Try the it out. Way to do, the only way to do this uh, officially, Eric, is to buy it from Limited Run Games. For I'm trying to see if I can find the price. I'm going on their actual website now. Yeah, but their Super Nintendo games. I'm telling you, they'll put a bunch of stuff in it and sell it to you like 150 bucks. Um. This is kind of a news item, so I'll bring it up to... Well, let's see here. Let's see if we can find another... That's Switch. Let's see if we can find a Super Nintendo game on here, because... Um, PC and Retro. Let's go to PC and Retro. I know this is not riveting radio, but it's important <laughs> to me, listeners. This is important to me. Um, let's find another... There's a Game Boy game for 45 That's not too bad. No. That's only Game Boy. Um... Yeah, they don't seem to have a current. Oh, there we uh, go. By a platform over there on the on the left hand side. There we go. Yeah, they only have PC nope. and Game Boy at the moment. So that's it. But limited okay. run game when they when they run out of stuff, they run out of stuff. So that you know that makes that makes sense. Uh, okay. So I, so limited run is selling um, right now. You can pre order the new Atari games that are coming out in box. You know, like a Yars they call, not Yars Revenge, but like Yars Return. I think was one of them. Yeah. Um, hundred and forty nine ninety nine. Oh, for an Atari game in a box. That's a spicy meatball. And I can't find it right now, but I literally looked at that today and just <clears> thought, holy potatoes. <laughs> I wish I could buy that, but not, I'm not buying it for that price. No. If it was, if it was $49.99, I'd think about it. If it was $39.99, I'd buy it. Yeah. Um, cool. Thank you, Tim, for sending that in. Um, actually, it's funny because you mentioned this one, which I think we just saw. Yeah, because I'm very excited about this one. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge is out on the 16th, which for us is two days from now, you know, showing you behind the curtain, the magic of podcast recording. (laughs) Uh, When this releases, it'll be the day after. But the one thing I wanted to point out was that, you know, we have talked in the past about how we don't, um, we really don't pre-order games anymore. I pre-ordered this because you get a discount. So if you get it digitally, you get, I think, 10% off or 15%, something like that. Um, I don't remember the exact, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy it anyway, and I'm going to buy it soon. I'm just going to buy it. So I bought it digitally, even though I did notice on limited runs, they have a bunch of different physical packages coming out that you can buy for that. So that's awesome. But this looks great. I'm getting it. it. I was reading through the documentation. It's got all sorts of online play up the wazoo multiplayer local multiplayer online play all that stuff so this is uh it's like the original arcade game but new yep but new all new adventures and uh it looks i mean it looked really good it's still pixel arty which is which is neat very um, retro inspired yeah and a lot of people are excited because you get to be casey jones who i thought that was just the coolest dude when i was a kid in the when i was into teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah he's the uh dude who um I should say I, w- I shouldn't say inexplicably because there is an explanation for it. But wears a hockey mask while keeping a bag of golf clubs on his back with a hockey stick in it, and he will punch <laughs> people with 
his fists and with hockey puck or hockey stick and golf clubs and bats. And he just likes sporting equipment. Yeah. It's like, he's like, I need to go kick some butt. Let me go raid a plate again sports and we'll go from there. <laughs> you just keep saying, yeah, yeah. Cody, move on. Cody, move no, on. No, no, I think it's great. <laughs> I, I'm really looking forward to this. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> Speaking of games I'm looking forward to, Eric. Sweet. I don't know what is going on with my... Hold on, hold on. Why is everything being difficult right now? There we go. Um, have you heard of Floppy Nights? I have not heard of this. It sounds ridiculous. And to be completely honest with you, when I first saw it, I'm like, okay, I'll just pass on that and keep looking. Uh, and then I found out this is a game made by the team that... Um, oh, come on. Why is my... What is going on with my internet right now? We're doing this again? Um, this game is made by the same people who made... Um, oh, shoot. What's it called? The Dice Game that we've been playing. <laughs> that that one, you know, listeners, you guys all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the Dice Game. Um, there have been so many, like on the Switch, right? Yeah. Um, oh, Snapdragons. Let me see. I'm gonna. I got my switch right here. I'm gonna look this up. Riveting. Developed by and published by Rose City Games. Uh, this came out last month on the 23rd. Um, it is another card-based game, uh, okay. very similar to that to the dice game. Oh, the, um, I like the art style. Very slick. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it even uses sound effects and some of the art style. Definitely the same artist as the the d- aforementioned dice game, which you're still looking up. Um, but <laughs> now the idea is you you collect these cards and you make your own deck, and so you're picking cards off the deck, and those cards. Dice Legacy it. was it? Dice Legacy? No, it was not Dice Legacy. Mm. Oh my gosh! Dicey Dungeons. Yes, thank you, Dicey Dungeons. <laughs> um, which I played almost all the way through with all the dice. Um, to the point where I got stuck, but awesome game. Uh, anyway, so you get these cards and they can allow you to basic, basic cards are, they allow you to put a character into play. They allow you to, um, use one of your characters moves or attack. And, um, it's basically like a little tactical strategy game that use the cards that you draw. Uh, you only have like three or four moves, a character, you know, per, per turn, depending on, you know, where you're at, but then you can level things up and buy additional moves and you can, add cards to your deck and you get all these cards you collect and you can mix and match which cards actually go into your deck. Um, and I have actually to be completely straight up with you. I have started playing it a little bit, but not enough to tell you too much about it, but it is my bag of tea. Yeah. It, and, but it's only on Xbox and PC, huh? Is that well, all? I have an Xbox one. I have an Xbox one, so I can, that... I can join in. Okay. So that's all it's on at this point. Yeah, because that's all it said it was on, and I don't you know play a lot gonna, of PC games. So you know it's going to end up on a uh, on Switch eventually. I mean, this is this is perfect for this a little handheld Switch, just like Dicey Dungeons was. Yeah, um, it looks really cool. I love the art style. Um, the cards look really slick. Uh, the colors of the game look really good. Yep, I'm excited. Very about cool. That. I like it. And Dicey Dungeons was near the top of my game of the year list last year i absolutely love that one so yeah here we go this is an exciting one you beat yeah me so to, you and beat I, me to i'm surprised it in the i news. haven't heard i haven't i'm surprised i haven't heard more about this um like on the on twitter and on the internet in general but 
We are all big fans of the Evercade here on the Pixel Gun Show. All three of us have it. Uh, we have the the versus the console. We have the handheld, the original handheld. But this is a new handheld that is called the Evercade EXP. And what really caught my eye on this was, well, it's an enhanced screen, so it's a bigger, brighter screen. But it allows the use of Tate mode. Yeah. So you can literally rotate it. And the cool thing is the A and B button are, are already situated to be upright, the right direction in Tate mode. And I think that that is going to make a huge difference on this because being able to play games in their proper perspective, like think of all the arcade games and shoot 'em ups that are going to benefit from being able to be in Tate mode. I think that's amazing. So I, 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 you know, I'm the kind of guy that when something like this comes out, I go, well, I mean, I already have the original, like the OLED, the switch, right? Yeah. It's beautiful. The OLED switch is gorgeous, but I can't justify paying for it when my other switch works fine. I don't use it in handheld mode much. So it's like, I'm not going to probably not going to bite on that, but man, this, this is a whole different ball of wax. This looks really, really cool. And it's not that expensive either. Yeah. And so it's a lot more sleek looking than the original, which is kind of a chunky toy kind of looking design. I actually really like the original, but, um, yeah. Buttons are a little smaller, almost looks like a small switch, if you will. And then, yeah, it's got an additional uh, A and B button right under the D-pad so that when you turn it in Tate mode, you've got A and B. I don't think those would be used for anything else except for Tate mode, which is right. fine. Yeah. Um, assuming that it plays all the games that, that the rest of the Evercade line can, I hope that... I'm hoping that the Tate mode is something... Because they can retroactively put that into an update. Yes. Hoping that we can use Tate mode on the... Um, the, uh, what do you call it? The versus mm-hmm. the console. Oh I've, yeah. That would be awesome. Cause I've got my rotating screen and stuff and I'd love to do that. Um, I don't think I'm going to bite on this one. Uh, one of the reasons I bought the original one was it was a handheld with some games for like 80 bucks. Yeah. Um, this one is, I think one, where is it? They, they showed the price on here somewhere. I saw it. I think it might it be 149. Closer. I think it was closer to the top. There it is. There it is. Yep, from one twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, no, one twenty nine ninety nine. That's in in pounds. Oh, dollars. It's one forty nine ninety nine and euros. Um, but available winter twenty twenty two. Somehow they keep putting out systems, and they're not being affected by the ship shortage. They found a way around it. They found a way to make a cool product that is available. And and every time you and I, Eric, have bought one, we just bought it, and it was shipped to our house, and that was it. That's it. Yeah. So you're right. That was exciting. Um, the other cool news that goes along with that, though, is this one, right? Yeah, the iRoom Arcade one, which comes with it, I think. Yeah, the EXP I, I, includes iRoom Arcade one cartridge. Uh, very excited about that cartridge. I think there was one more as well. Let me see here. Well, I think those are all released. We're just kind of scrolling here. But yeah, yeah iRoom the iRoom cartridge has a uh, R type has in the hunt. I don't know if you ever played that one. It's a submarine game that looks and plays like a, like a Metal Slug style shmup. Okay. Um, Moon Patrol is on there. Ten yard fight. <laughs> Ten yard fight. Um, six games altogether. But the big the big hitters are going to be um, Moon Patrol in the Hunt and R Type. So yeah. Um, cool. And it's white. I think they're doing another special edition that comes out in black. But again, for me, I want all my 
cartridges to slide in the back and match the system because that's what makes it look so good. No, it looks great though. Are you are you gonna get one? Uh I don't know. I'm gonna make a game time decision. Gotcha, gotcha. Might I be think, a nice Christmas present. A Christmas ask. Uh at one fifty for me to have some place something I already have. And the other big thing to honestly to me is um the bigger screen would help. The Tate is very cool. Um I just noticed you know, unless it's my Switch, which has a gigantic screen compared to everything else, I just don't play handhelds. I I I want to play those games, but I want to. I'll put them in a, a you know a Super Game Boy or something and play them on a big screen. Yeah, I just can't same. get myself to play handhelds. Same here. Same here. Uh, this is cool. Another <clears throat> game that was lost to time has been found. Eric. Okay, show me. This is the Marble Madness Two game. It's funny because I could swear, like when I was a kid, like there was Marble Madness too. But uh, apparently, this is a game that there's only ten to twelve ever made. Ooh. Uh, the actual arcade games, Marble Madness two, and they're all prototypes. So some of them are different than others. Um, did you know that Marble Man, Marble Madness two, has a subtitle which is Marble Man? No, I didn't know that. Marble Madness two, Marble Man. Uh, this came out, I, I read all into this. It's pretty interesting. This game came out, I think like seven years after the original. Okay. So they were, they did some on-site testing and they couldn't get people to play this game. And, uh, originally they said they think it's because it used a trackball and people are used to joystick at this point. So then they put it out again with joysticks and it still didn't do well. Uh, just consider this is like an upgraded, not really upgraded, but just kind of a new marble madness game that yeah. came out alongside like street fighter two. Well, it's like, no, duh, it's not going to do as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but they've got video of it and everything here. But basically, the big news is that the somebody, they don't know who, it just kind of anonymously started getting leaked out. Uh, finally, one of the arcade owners, because there are people that own these machines, uh, and they've been hoarding the game and not, you know, dumping and releasing the ROM. But somebody dumped it and released it, and now it's spreading everywhere. Everyone's getting the ROM for a game that has been long lost to time. Um, you know, no one's been able to play it for years and years and years, unless you're lucky enough to see one of those games at, you know, an expo or something. That is awesome. Yeah. Uh, that, that is really, really cool. And it looks cool. It looks like if you like Marble Madness, looks like you'll like this. Yeah. It look, I mean, it looks just like Marble Madness, but, uh, the enemies and some of the things they've got, um, lots of action going on, lots of movement and things, lots uh, of piss- movement, little animations of like, a, there was like a stone cat or something sitting on a ledge and it was like moving around had animation to it yeah, it looks pretty cool yeah one of the interesting things like right when you start see the ball right here oh, yeah wait, you kind of see it so when when you start the game uh or a level your ball kind of morphs into a man who like flexes his muscles and like winks at you with his eyes and then goes back <laughs> into a ball and uh they were talking about that's another thing they changed in between some of the prototypes is they went away from that um because they thought, you know, they were making it too childlike. So maybe that's why people weren't interested in the game. Right. Um, so <laughs> this this particular ROM dump that's been released is probably from one of the earlier ones. Because it still has all the kind of over-the-top animations of these crazy characters with eyes and things. So anyways, mm-hmm. interesting little slice of history you can go download and play now. Well, uh, yeah, you can. You, there's a way to play it. I guess it takes a little effort. <laughs> yeah. But there you go. I'm sure May, the next version of MAME will have it all set up. 
So this next bit of news is probably old news to a lot of people, especially in the Amiga scene. But now, right now, right now, you could go and buy the A500 Mini by Retro Games. It is the long-awaited Amiga Mini. So well, I, think, you can, I think the big thing is it's available in America now. I think it's been it, available overseas for a while. That's what I, I guess that's what I overall meant to say was that it is available here. You and I could go on here and purchase this and have it delivered to our homes. I don't that know if you're cool. going to, but there it is. At, at full price, I'm not interested in this. Okay. If, if it drops to 50 bucks, 60 bucks, whatever, I'll pick it up. What I am interested in that still has not become available over here yeah. is the, com- the full-size uh, The 64. That the is C64. not... You're right. That has not been available here, and I don't know if it ever will. Yeah, I, I want one. And I, we cannot get them. We might need to get our our brother Tim. To brother Tim, if you can grab a couple of those and bring them on over, because um, I would love to have one of those too. Just as, even a novelty thing, even if I didn't use it, a modern Commodore sixty four full size that was sold in any in any way. Yeah. In in twenty twenty one or twenty two, I mean that's. To me, that blows my mind in general. I would love to have that just because the C64 is the most, you know, it means the most to me as a retro machine since it's what I grew up with. So I would love to have a recreation of that. That would be so cool. And the built-in software also has a VIC-20 mode too. So you could mm-hmm. bring it up as a VIC-20. So anyways, this yep. a- A500 Mini, if, we, if it, no one knows what that is, it is a small mini recreation kind of reimagining of the original Amiga A500 computer with 25 classic Amiga games built in completely non-working keyboard because it's tiny. Even if it was working, you couldn't actually use it anyways. I guess you can get like a, a toothpick and like poke at the buttons. Um, <laughs> now what is cool with this and what might bring me over the edge, which I kind of forgot about until I looked at it now, it does include, and a lot of people are excited, includes a, an original looking a little bit smaller, I guess, uh, Amiga tank mouse. Correct. But the two buttons, but it's USB. Yep. And then it includes um, kind of a smaller recreation of the, it says the A500 on it, but it's like the CD32 controller, that kind of bizarre horseshoe-shaped controller that came with the CD32. That's right. Um, which I, is think the, USB. I think the controller looks cool. I don't know if it performs really well, but it does look really cool, as well as the tank mouse. I mean, it... I I want one. I just don't. You're right. 140 bucks is a little steep for me for buying any kind of mini. But I will say the other minis don't have that included mouse and stuff. So I don't know. I'm up in the yeah, air about it. I'm thinking 80. I'm thinking 80. When it hits 80, I'll get one. Yeah, I might be right, right there with you. We'll see. Yeah. But I love that it's being made. Yep. Um, you get to be Tim this time. Okay, I will be Tim. So there is a new VIC-20 game. Get the Diamonds 2. <laughs> Get more diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> I love the name already. Yeah. Now out from Derek from Reset64. You can download from itch.io for free. Derek is continuing his amazing work with the VIC-20, bringing us more amazing games to play. And there will be links in the show notes, but it is called Get More Diamonds. And anytime there's a new VIC-20 game, I'm excited because Commodore gets so much love and it deserves to. But the VIC-20, it's a system that, you know, we might get one every few months. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of like kind of like the Commodore. For the most part, my favorite Commodore games are new ones because people yeah. are just have gotten so good at it. And the new VIC-20 stuff that comes out is like, really, that's a VIC-20? 
It's amazing. Yeah. And, and uh, VIC-20 is the first computer I ever owned. So it's got a lot of very good history for me. So I'm definitely going to check this one out. I, I, I think the game looks really cool. Cool little platform. It looks like a, a flip screen, single screen uh, platformer where the goal would be to get the diamonds. Get the diamonds. And avoid, avoid the moving flapping things, which are typically always bats. And sure enough, there's bats in this one. But yeah, you're jumping on trees, climbing ropes, and getting diamonds. Yep. So Very I'm going to cool. try this one out this week, probably for sure. This is a fun one. Eric, did you... So I was a huge Duke Nukem fan. Um, I, I enjoyed the, the original platform in Duke Nukem's, but I'm talking, of course, about Duke Nukem 3D. Yeah. Uh, played a ton of it, and there was this whole to-do, as many retro gamers know, about a new Duke Nukem coming out sometime. You know, a few years after they released some of the expansion packs for Duke Nukem 3D, they are like, all right, and this would have been like the late 90s, 97, 98, all right, we're, we're working on the next generation Duke Nukem. It's going to be amazing. It's called Duke Nukem Forever, right? Right. And they were talking about it for years and years. I think it went 15 years. They The story goes that they, they kept having different de- development teams make it, and they had to redo it. It wasn't good enough, or they changed things. And then the technology changed, the new consoles came out, and then they had to make a whole new game because that was already outdated. And they did it like three times. It took 15 years for them to come out with a new Duke Nukem Forever. Um. And it came out and it was apparently terrible. I still have not played it, but it got such bad reviews. Oh, um, no. Oh, you, you never heard the story, huh? I've heard the story. I've never played it. And I, I, I wasn't... It, it, Duke Nukem 3D would have been a game I really liked. But I, for some reason, I, I passed that whole franchise. I never played a Duke Nukem game. Gotcha. Well, Duke Nukem 3D, I think there's really only one. And then there's a bunch of, you know, kind of like level packs. Okay. Um, okay. Nonetheless, somebody leaked or found or whatever found some source code to the um partially finished 2001 version of duke nukem forever one of the ones that was scrapped Ooh! and um you have to check our show notes and, and click on the link it goes to a pcgamer.com article but it shows that it looked actually a lot more promising than the one that actually finally came out um although by the time this would have been released it would have been you know, old looking compared to modern games. So, but it looks very much more in the line of a, uh, a bigger, better Duke Nukem rather than, um, you know, what ultimately ended coming out. So, right. You can download it. You can play it. I guess it's barely playable, but you know, it was probably like 80, 75, 80% done or something. And so you can play some of the game or walk through it a little bit. And I'm sure hit detection is terrible. And probably some enemies can't die or whatever. I don't know, but. <laughs> Uh, that's cool. I love I love when they find that kind of stuff. Um. Oh, and I have more Duke Nukem news. I forgot. Okay. This this I just saw, and this was actually news. This only came out like four days ago. While I was looking up a page to find the information on that, there is a new Duke Nukem movie coming out, Eric. Really? <laughs> and if and if you watched and or are a fan of the new Cobra Kai, that new uh, series that came out based on Karate Kid. You will be excited to know that they are the ones that are making the new Duke Nukem movie, according to PCGamer.com. Who's going to be Duke Nukem? Nobody knows. I didn't read the full article yet, so I don't know if they have somebody in particular. So I'm curious. But this is this is going to be an interesting one um, because the whole idea of Duke Nukem is that they, you know, it's not PC enough today. Even back then, it wasn't very PC. It's a super machismo guy who, you know, 
says all kinds of offensive things and treats women like objects and the whole thing, right? <laughs> right, right. That's, you know, let's be honest, that's what makes it so good. It's so over the top and ridiculous. Yeah. You know, you're this kind of anti-hero. Yeah, it's this ridiculous yeah. over the top. It's toxic, you know, what do they call it nowadays? Toxic max- masculinity incarnate, right? Yeah. Um, that's what makes it so ridiculous and fun. So, you know, whatever. So we'll see how they do the movie. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to have to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you saw this, the flashback, there's a flashback to teaser. So, um, I guess they're, they are making a sequel to the original flashback. And I guess there was a sequel to flashback. I forget the name of it, but I guess it didn't do very well and it wasn't a very good game. It didn't have the name flashback. So, um, but this is flashback two, and the graphics are really, I mean, the one thing I'll give credit to this. So I'm just going to say this up front. I didn't like flashback. Same. Um, it, it, it really is kind of a puzzle game, uh, that you just move back and forth and, there's some action to it, but honestly, I just didn't get that far in the game. It just didn't, it didn't capture my interest. This one's going to have a lot of different game modes and the graphics are updated. So I'm going to wait and see, cause this is just a teaser, but it's not really, it's not really the reason I put this in the news is yeah, it's not for me, but I know a lot of people that loved flashback. So I've heard I great to things from yeah, in. people. I, I'm in the same boat. And what it, to me, what it is, it falls in the same boat as Prince of Persia. Mm-hmm. Um, it falls in the same boat as, um, uh, what's that one? Oh, impossible shoot. mission. No, I actually like impossible mission, but I know what you're saying. I, I know yeah. where you're going with that. Um, oh, what's the one where you start and then the beast is coming after you and you had a altered beast. <laughs> I can't <laughs> think of the name of it right now. Anyways. Um, it's these rotoscoped where they try to be super like the motion has to be look super realistic. Mm-hmm. In, in order to do that, they had a ton of, of frames of animation. And so when you pressed right, you didn't go right. You started your animation right. Yeah. And it, you had to like everything was like this super laggy feeling, even though it was not necessarily laggy. It was probably more true to real life. But it was uh, it was like timing. And like if I let go here, he'll stop running and hopefully he'll stop before he falls off the edge and kind of this whole uh you gotta keep trying it over and over again until you figure out exactly where you're gonna end up yep. i don't know how to describe it i just it's slow and plotting and kind of hard to control yeah so. and and i just did not like I, I mean every time i'd hear a podcast about flashback i'd i'd and i do this a lot with a lot of different games yeah. like i hear a podcast i get excited for it i'm like oh man you know i remember giving that a shot i didn't like it but i must be missing something and then I go back and I play it and it's still, I still don't like it. Yep. Um, and that was, that's flashback for me. Every time I hear someone talking about it and raving about it, I'm like, Oh, I yep. gotta be missing something, but I'm not. So you grab, you grab a ledge and start pulling yourself up. And right when you get to the point where you can move your character again, you get shot. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm going to down to flashback. Hey, but flashback too. Flashback uh, too. I wanted to talk about this real quick. Yeah, because we we've talked about a lot of these. I didn't realize how many they had out, but I went to Retro Fighters mm-hmm. because I had heard they have a new controller coming out. Uh, one of them we might have mentioned on the show, but there's actually another one that was just announced. But I went on their website and they have a ton of controllers. Um, of course, it's not going to load for me really quick here, but there's a new one out <laughs> called the Defender. Okay, and the Defender, um, as you cannot see right here. <laughs> Come on, internet. My internet is just dying. 
Uh, it is a... So, really quick, they, the Retro Fighters make the Retro Brawler. Yeah. Uh, brawler, I mean, the Brawler 64, which is the Nintendo 64 computer uh, controller without the doubles, the weird trident, and they, they make it really nice. Eric and I both got one of those and love it. They yep. make the Dream ca- that Dreamcast controller, which is awesome. Um, they're making wireless versions of these now. Which is really cool. Uh, I'm not a wireless fan, but I know a lot of people are excited mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, that's right. The Dreamcast one's called the Striker DC. There's that right there, which looks super, super cool. I still don't own one of those yet, but I want one. Oh, yeah, and I got one in white. I, it, it, I love it. VMU slides right in. It's beautiful. And you also got the Brawler Gen 2-in-1, which is I Sega do. Genesis and Saturn. Correct. Which I love is, it. Which really, I don't have that one yet either. Um, let's see if I can get down to the new stuff, Eric, because I want you to see. Uh, I'm really interested because I, I love their stuff. So if, it, if this is for a system, there um, we go. There we go. Oh, PlayStation. look at that. Um, so this one right here is showing in blue. Uh, it's going through. It's doing one of those things where it scrolls. Um, yeah, hit that left back button. We'll get to that one in a second. So this okay. one is showing it in blue, but the standard color is the PlayStation Gray. So your PS1, this is a, a controller, basically a dual stock style controller, but with modern ergonomics and buttons and uh, dual sticks. Yeah. You can get it wireless or not. And then they have the Battler GC, which stands for GameCube. So that is a modern GameCube controller. They are knocking it out of the park, man. Yeah, this Because you great. know how hard it is to get PlayStation controllers now? I mean, it's actually hard to get one in decent shape. Hmm. So if you can get this and it's a decent controller, I, and, and I'm kind of with you, I wouldn't get the wireless. I'd get the wired. Yeah. But I'd use that on my Mr. I'd use it on the PlayStation. I'd use it on everything I could. Yeah, and that's true because, um, for example, the wireless ones come with an adapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the wired ones also allow you to go between um usb and the actual controller port for the said system and that's what my uh that new new brawler one i have that works on the saturn Mm -hmm. um it has both usb and original saturn ports yeah super cool so there you go very very cool oh man they are they are really knocking it out of the park i'm ready to i'm ready to lay my money down (laughs) um hop on out of that one what else we got in the news eric so there is a new Amiga sci-fi racing game uh, called Hyper Runner. Hyper and Runner. This, so this one is in very early stages right now. So there's not a lot of gameplay to watch, but I think it's a game to keep an eye on. And, and you know, I, I don't like showing these games that aren't finished yet because I want to play these games. Yeah. But the graphics on this are looking really good. <laughs> Super cool. It does not look like a typical uh, Amiga European um it looks very Japanese is what it, it looks, looks very Japanese, almost like a wipeout or something like that. I mean, the, it's we're seeing the screen right now where it's just flipping through the characters that you can play. Um, but when it gets to the racing, it, it, it's looking to be kind of like an early F zero. Um, but it's very smooth, very smooth graphics, very, uh, it's going to have like a, what do you call that? Uh, the paths, like different paths that you can take on the, when you beat a race. Yeah. Branching paths to get the to branching the branching paths. That's exactly, yeah. that's exactly what I was looking for. And th- this demo that you're seeing, Cody, that that's all there is. So they're not going to, they haven't made the enemies different yeah, yeah. yet. They, this is just a demo to show what's possible. And so far it looks 
very smooth, very good. So that's called Hyper Runner. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah. The real question, Eric, is is it AGA? Does that look AGA to you? <laughs> I want to see him do that's it without AGA. There should, there should, I mean, I don't know. I hope, I hopefully, it do, hopefully it doesn't need it. Everything I've read, I did not see anything that said AGA on it. I haven't either. Yeah. So that's cool. And you got another one to bring up here as well. Another Commodore game. Uh, this one is a downloadable game ready now to to purchase. It is called Ball and Chain. Um, it looks to be like, um, what do you call those kind of games that are just like they're constantly en- moving? Pl- yeah, the Endless Runner, where you are this little character that has that are attached by a ball and chain. And so there's some physics behind controlling the guy based on the ball and chain. And it's kind of a collect them up where you're collecting things on the screen as you move left to right. Um, but very, very smooth graphics. And I did listen to some of the soundtrack. I mean, soundtrack sounds really good. Um, and it's a, you know, name your own price game. So you can't beat that. So, so when I saw this, I was, when I, when I, I'll be honest, when I saw this, I was very excited. Um, yeah. It, it looks super cool. It's this, like you said, it's a game that's all about physics and the big ball. You can use the ball to smash through like spikes and mines and enemies and things while yeah. you're the red ball with eyes. And so yep. you, you, you know, you want to collect coins and things, you know, walls get in the way and there's pits and you're trying to just making it all work. It almost has a crazy taxi, you know, scrolling crazy taxi feel kind of, yeah. um, when I heard Endless Runner, I just started losing interest, unfortunately. What I am hoping, it's just because it doesn't work for me. I don't want to play a, a, purely a, a, a score game. I would love to see a him take this concept, this exact game, and maybe make a, um, what is it called? Ball and Chain? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what, what, what you call it, but basically make some levels, make some stuff you try to clear and so you can actually play through a game and try to beat it. Um, with some level design rather than just procedurally generated. And that would be super cool to me. I'd pay now, money is for this, that. Is this p- procedurally generated? Uh, I don't know. Because I thought this might be levels. I mean, if you go up to the top, I think there's a description of it. Um, well, if it's an so, endless runner, but just by its nature, it has to be procedurally generated to be endless. Oh, well, I guess you're right. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Um. Anyways, really cool design, really cool concept. I think it wouldn't be that hard to just add that little bit extra to make yeah. a game, make it a game that I would just love. Uh, but it looks legit. Yeah, the graphics are look really, really cool on it. So, ball and chain. Last news item, and we're late to the party on this one, but we haven't talked about it, Eric. So let's give our thoughts about the new Sega Mega Drive Mini Two. Uh, which now comes with 50 games. So as we know, the Sega Genesis and Sega Mega Drive uh, minis came out a few years back, like five years ago now, four yeah. years ago, um, which were great. A mm-hmm. lot of the games in, you know, were, were ported by M2, and uh, they did a great job with the the screen, the, what do you call it, the loading screen and everything, which is a great little package. Yeah. Um, and so now they're coming out with a second one, which looks like the Sega Genesis 2, which is what we call it here in the States which is the one I actually grew up with, you know, exact right. same system, but completely different physical shape. Uh, it's more of a square shape with the, uh, you know, a couple buttons in the front is a little more pared down. Yeah. And that's what you get here. And it's got 50 games. Uh, I don't know if you've heard much about this yet or not, Eric. I have. I'm, this is the first time I've heard about it at all. Really? Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, there we go. The, the original one was in 2019. So, uh, yeah, for fifth, three years, three years ago three now. Years. Yeah. Um, here's the big, here's the big thing. Cause why would you yeah. want to get this one when you already have the other one, right? Yeah. Well, of course, different games, but the big one is many of these games are Sega CD. Oh, sweet. So it only has a few listed so far. So I'll just go through them real quick. Uh, Silphede, which is a Sega CD shmup. Shining Force CD, which is an RPG, if I remember correctly. Sonic CD, which is a great game, which I've only recently been able to play. Yeah. Uh, Mansion of Hidden Souls, another Sega CD game. Popful Mail. That game is supposed to be amazing. Um, another Sega CD game. That was uh, Japan-specific, I think. Isn't that a shmup? <clears throat> uh, yes, it is. I believe it is. That's what I think I may have played that a long time ago. Cool. Uh, and then the non-CD games. We have Virtual Racing, Bonanza Bros, Shining in the Darkness, Thunder Force 4, Magical Taruto, <laughs> uh, okay. and Fantasy Zone. So yeah. that's just the first, I don't know, what is that, 12 games or so that they that mentioned. So, And then, of course, because it's Japan, you can buy a little Sega CD add-on thing that makes it look like a full-on Sega CD system, even though it doesn't <laughs> actually function do or do anything. It just looks cool. Just looks cool. Um, All right. Uh, I mean, again, it depends how much this is, but, man, this looks cool. Actually, so I'll tell you right now, uh, it's 9,980 yen, which means you put the period there is $99 and 80 cents, uh, roughly a hundred bucks. Yeah. It says $76 right there. Have the, has the yen dropped? Mm. The yen has dropped. So, uh, $76, 76 bucks. Are you in or out? Now I, now I didn't read this one, but I think I'd heard somewhere else that it is not, um, yeah, it's coming out in Japan. There is no information regarding a Western release yet. So uh, right now it's Japan only, which is fine. I'll just go on Japan, Amazon, and order us a couple. Because if I was going to order, I'd order it with the little add-on so I can have the Sega CD. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks so cool. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. All right. Man, that's cool. All right. Eric, that's the news. That is the news. Um, One last bit of news, kind of that I yeah. want to point out, Eric, is uh, you guys can go to our YouTube channel and ask to subscribe and ring bells and push buttons and do all those things I don't understand, but apparently you do them on YouTube. Uh, but if you go to YouTube, go to youtube.com forward slash pixel guidance. So you can go to our pixel guidance YouTube page and you can look at the video that Tim released, which has just destroyed all the uh, videos that we've ever released, Eric. Yeah, that's um, why Tim's a keeper. <laughs> a handsome devil. So I have I have one video I did on the Commodore um that that was you know probably ten times bigger than than any of the other videos we had put up. Uh but it took eight months to get there and in one month uh yeah Tim already blew past that. So excellent his video he released for how to mod your PS Vita and make it a jailbroken um emulation monster. Not to mention you can play all the other games. Uh yeah. people are loving it and um Keep keep making videos, Tim. Keep making yeah. videos. Well yeah, done. They're awesome. Um, Eric, I think we need to crack open our second beer of the night and uh, hop on in to our six good games. What do you think about that? That would be great. All right. So let's grab our brewskis. I'm going to have to go grab a bottle opener. So you you jibba jabba, jibba jabba with the peoples. I'm going to do a little jibber jabber. I can, I okay, can do I'll, that. I'll be right back. I can't remember a time when Eric didn't have a bottle opener at the ready. I'm kind of disappointed and shocked. 
Um, I'll talk a little bit about the uh, the beer I have in front of me. As we already mentioned, um, Eric was just drinking a Salty Crew, which is from uh, Coronado Brewing Company. I was actually down there with my wife, Ben, and kids uh, about a month and a half ago down in, in Coronado. We actually just stayed in Coronado on the island there down by San Diego, uh, chilling on the beach and staying at a hotel and just not doing anything, which was great. And of course, my wife and I made sure we hit all the breweries we could down there, uh, including the one right there on the island, which is called Coronado Brewing Company. Uh, so Eric had the, the Blonde Ale, which is a, called Salty Crew. And the one I have here in front of me now is the fa- my favorite beer I found while I was down there. I had not had it until I went down there. Uh, it is called Palm Sway IPA. And it is a 16-ounce a tall belly. It is a island-style India Pale Ale, which is supposed to be juicy, tropical, and citrusy. Uh, we're looking at 6.5% alcohol by volume on this bad boy. And I, you know, breaking the fourth wall. I've already drinking this thing. I already told you I love it. So kind of a cheating going to a beer that I already love and enjoy. Uh, but that's what I'm rocking right now. Eric is down in his kitchen or something, presumably trying to find a bottle opener. And leave me here to talk to you guys as if I have something more to say. Um, I have not finished the rest of my Grass Valley Brewing Company beer. So I'm going to sip on that real quick. And Eric enters the room. Uh, Eric, I'm a little disappointed. You didn't have a bottle opener on you? I didn't. I usually shove one in my cooler bag, but I didn't today. Fail, fail. So I just told everybody about the other Coronado Brewing Company beer I have with me, which is the Palm Sway IPA, Eric. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Okay. I am not familiar with it, but it looks like a cool can. It is juicy, tropical, and citrusy. It is an IPA, and I've had it before, and I love it, so I'm kind of cheating. but. Well, I am too. Okay. So I'm doing a retro rewind beer, which means that I'm doing one we've had before, but very in very early episodes. Oh, I already know what it is. <laughs> I can see it. Downtown, Downtown Brown, Brown by Lost Coast Brewing. Delicious. Is that Lost Coast? Yeah, uh, yeah Lost Coast is. Brewing. They also make uh, great one of my white. favorites. Um, my local store stopped carrying it. So like I haven't had it in a long time. And then I happened mm. to be driving around and I went by a Total Wine and there it is. Bam. Downtown Brown, which I haven't had in a long time. So I'm going to pour me pour me one out. That's in my top 10. I, I love Downtown Brown. Me too. Me too. We need to do a top 10. We, we, you know, we've always avoided that. But we need to do some top 10s. Top 10s are fun. Top 10s are fun. That might be uh, that might be a fun one to do sometime uh, in person, so we can each enjoy one. But drinking ten beers, it's going to be one heck of a night. <laughs> we can't <laughs> talk about it unless we finish the beer while we're in person together. That's how the that's the rule. Yeah, don't get me wrong though; I'm down for it. Um, Downtown Brown. I don't know if we need to rate these since we've already had them. But have have you had yours on the show before? Oh. Not on the show, no, absolutely not. But this is becoming one of my go-to's. They all they also make weekend vibes. Yeah, yeah, that, that's I've the had one on the show. Had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love that one. I think I think I still prefer weekend vibes, but this is different and newer. Um, it's a little sweeter and a little more to take, as you put it. But uh, but it's juicy and it is tropical and it is citrusy, which is all things I like. So yeah, delightful. We both had Coronado beers today. So out of uh, um. Oh, man. Um, Out of 33 Padres? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Coronado is in... Sa- that's in San Diego, right? Yes, yes. It's uh, right. technically 
technically separate from San Diego and outside of it, its own, it's its own city, but yes. Um, 33 Padres, huh? Uh, out of 33 Padres. Well, I got to give mine like a solid 29, 29 out of 33. 29. Okay. That, yeah, you like it. I'm trying to I think do. of, well, I love it. I'm trying to think of somebody who's, who is famous uh, from the Padres with Tony Gwynn on the Padway, Padres. I think he was. All right. I'm going to rate mine a Tony Gwynn. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> no, I really like this too. I think it's, I'm going to, I'll join you 29 out of 33 Padres. Perfect. Um, Eric, it's time to talk about six good games. Six good games. And again, the six good games we are talking about this month are modern indie titles, which uh, I didn't completely stick to. So I. <laughs> That's but, okay. But, you know, more or less, I meant kind of like modern retro inspired title kind of games yeah i tried to i did try to keep mine small studios so a couple of mine were made by literally like two people that's awesome um but i i am willing to hear anything you have to say about any game that you think is fits into the indie title vibe vibe there we go we'll go with we'll go with vibe yeah uh do you want to start uh, sure. I will begin. I think you have this game, so maybe we can both talk about this intelligently. In fact, I might have bought this after I heard you had it, or maybe. Do you have this game? You bought it before I did. Okay, perfect. So the first game I'm picking is Blazing Beaks. I guess that's a chicken noise. These are ducks, huh? <laughs> there, I, actually, the main character I play in here is a chicken. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, so there is a duck. There, There's all sorts of different birds. A parrot, a uh, bird, but... This is a twin stick shooter and it is uh, on many platforms. You can do it on Steam, you know, so that, so it's PC. I think it's on Xbox. I think it's on, I, I play it all the time on Switch. Um, it is by a company called App Lava, which I had a hard time finding any information on, but um, they are a two person studio in Lithuania. Okay. Um, and it's made in the, the engine that it's used is called Game Maker, which is a very popular. Yeah engine like kind of like a unity thing but game maker people can tend to make a lot of like really unique and cool games in in game maker um in this one right now i looked on steam you can get it, it came out in 2019 you can get this game for 14.99 but i've seen this thing go on sale for much lower so you can pick this up pretty pretty cheaply um i this is a twin stick shooter which i have to admit when i'm ready to relax and play a game i love twin stick shooters mm-hmm. oh man i do and this game is unique so you start off the, the, the there's a unique twist to this game which is why i find myself i think this is the game i go to the most on the switch when i want to relax and just turn my brain off and play okay. a game um it is a twin stick shooter you play a bird each bird has special powers so like i pick the chicken because he shoots the furthest. He has the longest range weapons. It's not, it's the least accurate, but it's the longest range. Okay. Um, and, and you unlock characters as you play through. So after you beat a boss or two, you'll start unlocking characters. There's new birds with different, that have different powers. The game is kind of like a rogue light, which means that you start off with very few hit points and on your left trigger button, you have a power and it, when you start off with 
the ability to roll. So you can roll fast, left or right, up, down, whatever. Um, and then like most twin stick shooters, the right trigger is the fire button. You basically go around and you clear levels by shooting enemies. And if you get, if they touch you or they fire at, fire at you, you lose a hit point. And if you go to zero, you die. Um, you can collect coins and keys all around and there, there's shops that you can unlock so that you can go in and upgrade your weapon, uh, to whatever, whatever you want. Um, but the twist in this game, which makes it very unique is that to upgrade, upgrade the power that you have, which is rolling left and right. You sometimes when you kill an enemy, he will drop an drop an artifact and you'll see it. The artifact has like this kind of, it's like pulsating and it's got steam coming off of it. And, and they do a lot of different cool things to the animation. But when you go over and you hover over that artifact, it tells you the downside to picking it up. Artifacts okay. have a negative attribute to them. So sometimes you'll pick one up and it'll say, okay, no more coins are going to be dropped by fallen enemies. So now you can't get money. Or it'll say, hey, you can't fire for three seconds after you spawn. Um, and you can, every t you know, every level or two, you will find these artifacts. And it's up to you whether you pick them up or not. The benefit to picking them up is that when you go to the shop, you can upgrade the rolling, the rolling power you have to these other very more powerful, you know, powers that the left trigger maps to. So there is kind of this give and take. If you pick up an artifact, you're going to get a negative. And who knows when you're going to get to the next shop. So you're going to be carrying around this baggage until you can deliver these artifacts and get this upgraded. And usually, depending on how many artifacts you get, he'll give you a choice. So if you pick up three artifact, bad artifacts, he'll throw out three powers and you get to choose one of them. Um, the graphics in this game are very cutesy, very colorful, very... Uh, very retro pixel pixel inspired. Yeah. It looked great. Um, uh, when you're going around with enemies, they, they drop acid and there's like these little like spikes that pop up out of the floor. I mean, it is a very, very fast paced, cool game. I never get tired of it. I love playing this game. What do you think, Cody? So I haven't played very much. I, I, I okay. saw tw twin six shooter, twin six shooter. I saw the, the way it looked and thought I had to get this. It was on super sale for a few bucks. So I picked it mm -hmm. up. Tried it for a few seconds, and I had, you know, it's one of those things where I got a few other games at the same time. Yeah. I tried a few levels, and the, I know that I would get into it if I gave it some more time, but it didn't instantly have enough firepower to feel exciting to me yet, and I didn't work into it enough to get to the point where I'm sure it got, you know, where you felt like you were just uh, tearing through stuff and getting fast and quick and exciting, so... um Love everything about it, everything you said, but I have just not given it enough time to to get into it yet. So I'm I'm gonna have to. Uh, it is on my Switch. I'm gonna have to give myself an hour to. You know, it's kind of like getting in, into a good book. Yeah. You know, no, I, I totally I totally understand. And and if you look on my hours played for games on my Switch, I think this has to be in my top five like hours yeah. total played. <laughs> yeah, I love this game. I I I have to admit, I'm not the greatest at it. I think I've only beat the first two bosses two or three bosses. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not the greatest at it, but I love playing it. I let it just enjoy it. So anyway, gotcha. Gotcha. What's your game? What's your first game? Well, I, I'm going to flip it and reverse it. I'm going to go back here. <clears throat> okay. Um, 
I had two that I needed to talk about, and I'll save those for le- later. And I was trying. I, first of all, when I picked this topic, the idea was to pick something that w- you and I already play a lot of modern kind of retro-inspired indie games. So it was going to be easy to be like, "Hey, we'll just talk about some of the games we've been playing lately, since we'd like to play those anyways." Yeah. So this uh, this was kind of to help us because you were going to be gone <laughs> for half the month in, in Hawaii and the whole thing. So uh, I'm like, I'll just pick this topic. Well, I had a hard time finding my third game. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. I ended up going with an oldie but goodie, and this was back kind of when, when, um, you know, kind of indie small, smaller indie style games were kind of new. Yeah. Um, and that would be the game Inside. You've heard of this, I'm assuming, right? I have never heard of this game. Uh, you know what? I take it back. I take it back. You know, I am going to go with Inside. Ah, shoot. See, I'm trying to decide now. You've heard of the game Limbo. That's what I was going to say. I Limbo. have heard. I, I definitely. I've never played it, but I've heard of it. Okay. So I, I'm going to go with Lim, Lim, with Inside. Don't get me wrong. But let me. so in Limbo really quick. <laughs> uh, it's the same studio. So Limbo came yeah. out in 2010. So it was like highly praised. You know, it got, it's getting meta scores of like 9 out of 10, 4.5 out of 5, which is 9 out of 10. Um, puzzle platform game de- developed by an independent studio. That means indie. Uh, Playhead. And then originally published by Microsoft Game Studios for the Xbox 360 in 2010. Uh, and it was this cool game where it is just kind of like black and white, more or less. It's really grayscale. You can see like mm-hmm. cool backgrounds, but the foreground is just these hard black shadows. You know, if you've seen, um, you're like this little boy character with these white eyes, you just see his eyes, but you can't see anything else except his outline. And, you know, everyone just knows it for this huge. Um, I'll show you the picture here, but this huge spider limb that comes out towards the beginning of the game, these spiders legs that are reaching for you. And there's no, what I love about it, there's no, you know, written story or anything you have to go through. By the way, it's only like $3. Um, And the whole point of the game is just to go from left to right. And it's kind of a puzzle platformer in that you're like, how do I get past this obstacle? Well, I put a box here and maybe I jump on it here, but I can't reach there yet. So what do I do? Oh, I can run back part of the level and, grab a weight and put it on this thing and then lift it up or, you know, it's one of those kind of things. Um, but it's super dark, not just the way it looks, but then that kind of the subject matter where, you know, like this, you get to the first level, you see this, uh, and this is kind of giving away a little bit, but this uh, spider leg, and it's like the first enemy you really run into and you're like, oh, maybe I can just walk up to it. And it stabs you with its leg, it impales you, and like <laughs> you bleed out and you flop over and die. And you're like, oh my gosh, what the heck just happened? Um, and that's when you realize whatever this world is that you're in, you, you know, things are out to get you. And and you actually, it's actually kind of scary and creepy because you're just a cute little boy and you're just walking around and everything's, you know, you're just kind of like, where am I? Oh, I don't know what's going on. And uh, like limbs can be broken and like terrible things happen to you. Anyways, that game was good. Inside, which is another puzzle platform adventure game, also developed by Playhead, but this time in 2016 uh, for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Windows. Um, also came out on the Switch eventually in 2018. Uh, it's called Inside, and it's very similar gameplay, but now... Uh, and it tells the coolest story. Um, let me go back here. It's, so it's a similar type of, of game... But there are there's some more colors going on at this point. Um, here we go. PS4 gameplay. I'm trying to get this up here for us. And 
I don't want to give anything away because the cool, the beauty of both these games is that you don't know what the story is and you're just kind of, you just are thrown into a situation where you're, uh, in both games, you're kind of just a boy, uh, walking through with the woods and you start finding things and, and find your way forward in the level again, going from left to right. Um, but the story kind of unfolds as you are playing the game. And what's cool about this game is it kind of focuses on you hiding a lot. So, you don't fight anything, but like bad, there's bad things out co- trying to get you. And you have to figure out like when they're coming near you, where you're going to hide or how you're going to hide, how you're going to stay in the shadows so they can't see you. So it's almost there's some stealth element to it. Yeah. Um, and you're again, you're, there's no words or anything. It's all just visual cues and what's going on. But you kind of learn what's happening in this world as you go from left to right on the screen. Um, creepy, creepy as- atmospheric. Um there's, there's a lot more going on, a uh, lot more visual effects and stuff in this particular game. And the amount of things they can see right here, how far the background is away. And there's people walking up on top of that hill and um, he's swimming under the water so they can't see him right now. You'll, you'll learn if you don't swim under the water, they see you and send the dogs after you. Um, it is just a cool vibe and uh, simple gameplay, but intriguing and tells a story without, again, force feeding you a story with a bunch of reading and cutscenes and that kind of stuff. Look at you're just, you're swimming and I just came out the other side of this pond. There's dead pigs. You're like, why are there dead pigs? Yeah. And to find out, you just keep going right. And the graphics, <laughs> you know? I mean, the graphics are definitely an upgrade from Limbo. I mean, I mean, Limbo looks super cool, but yeah, this is, they've got more detail and more stuff going on in this one, but yeah, yeah, they're both amazing. Play both of them, but inside, inside affected me. I'll put it that way. In I'll a good to check way. this out. Yeah. So good. There you go. Okay. I, I That's probably one I'm going to look up. Especially since it's on the Switch. Are we going to your PC pick next here? Yes, we are. So this is one of the first games I downloaded that was uh, like an indie hit sensation. It's like the furthest one I can remember on the okay. PC being like... The kind of like Limbo, what you're talking about. I remember that one when it came out. Everyone was like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. this is by an indie studio and it's so big and awesome. Um, this to me was the first one and it's called Nuclear Throne. And this game I've only played ever on Steam, so on PC. Um, it is by Vlambeer, which they've come out with a ton of games and it kind of has a Commodore 64 connection because Vlambeer, they've done Super Crate Box and Lufthrausers. Yeah, yeah. Um, which have all had, I guess, called D makes on the Commodore sixty four. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of have this history, but they've made this game. And when I looked it up on Steam, it's eleven ninety nine. But you find this thing on sale all the time for dirt cheap. I have never heard um, of this game, Eric. You've never heard of Nuclear? I've never Throne? heard of this game. Oh my goodness! So I, I again, it's a twin stick shooter because I love them. Um, is it or is it a? Because uh, it looks like. At least on PC, it looks like the mouse kind of directs it rather than... Yes, you can do that. I play it with an Xbox 360 controller on my PC. So I use twin stick. But you're absolutely right. And you you just mentioned something I completely forgot. When I first started playing this game back in 20... I think it was 20... God, I don't even remember. It was so long ago. I used a mouse and keyboard. Yeah. So... You're totally right. You can use a mouse keyboard, but nowadays I use the twin stick. Um, Same kind of mapping as the other game, left and right. The twist in this game is that you have two weapon slots. You can hold up to two weapons. 
And so you want to make sure the weapon is in your hand when you find a weapon and you can switch out. Um, basically, your goal in this game is to get sit on the nuclear throne. So when you beat all the levels, I think there's like 13 or 14 levels, if I remember right. You sit on the nuclear throne, you win the game. But I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is a twin stick shooters where you switch weapons. The ammo is can be sparse in this game. So if you sit there and you just fire and fire and fire, you will run out of ammo and then have nothing to defend yourself with. Okay. Um, there are kind of melee style weapons that you could pick up like a bat or a screwdriver. And uh, so you can use those if you find them, but you have to get so close to the enemies. It's very difficult. Um, it can get kind of bullet helly. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll yeah. say it that way. You can bullet get hellish. to where it's very frantic. Um, there are tons of different weapons, machine guns, assault rifles, SMGs, pistols, lasers. There's all tons of different type of weapons. Frickin' laser beams. Frickin' lasers. Um, what, one of the twists in this game is that you, when you beat a level, like uh, uh, it'll show it here in a minute. Um, we're kind of watching this thing. When you go through those little title poles, that's when you, you level up and you get to pick a mutation. And mutations are oh, things cool. that power up your creature, like lucky shot, you know, your shots explode or possibly like when you fire a bullet, it, they're, they're now like explosive bullets. Um, there's ones that upgrade your speed. You basically pick a mutation for your little nuclear guy and that lasts through the rest of the game. So you want to, you want to beat levels and there's multiple levels in each section of this game but you beat them so that you can get these mutations and get more and more powerful. Um, around the play field, there'll be these treasure chests, which have ammo and health in them. So you see, you don't get a lot of hit points. Like this guy on the screen right now has 12 hit points and he's already down to four. There's only four left. So when you open up these chests that you find around, you can get more health points. You can get more ammo, um, things like that. Um, that's pretty much it. But this was one of the first games, indie games that first, it was one of the first games that was a sensation. Like everyone was like, Oh, let's play nuclear throne. I mean, I know even people that weren't into indie games, like my neighbor, he had this game because he loved hmm. it. And so he downloaded it. Um, it's a very, very popular game. Um, it, a lot of people I know play it. It is hard. It does get very, very difficult, though. So the, the difficulty ramps up. There's not a lot of space to maneuver to, like, kind of dodge yeah. um, out of the way of bullets and stuff. Yeah, so one thing you can do in this game... hallways and things like that. Yep. One cool thing you can do in this game is you can be more strategic. You don't... It's There's no timer. So you can <laughs> literally just kind of hide behind a corner in a corridor, poke out, fire your weapon, go back. Just remember that you don't have unlimited ammo so this game if you run out of ammo which you will from time to time you will be hosed you have <laughs> then you you have nothing to fight with so then you have to kind of run through the level and try to grab a, um, a treasure chest to get some ammo then you go and you hide again and you fire again i love this game it's one of the ones i've had for so long probably one of the very first steam games in my library yeah really chunky chunky pixel graphics i love the color palette Yep. This one grabs me. First of all, the mutated characters look great, especially when they pop up on the screen like they're doing right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this one grabs me more than Blazing Beaks, and I don't know why. 
just the way it looks. But the, I can't believe I've never heard of it. So I'm definitely yeah, going to put I, it on my I, wish list and pick it up for cheap when it goes I think on sale. I think you will dig this. So Nuclear Throne, grab it because uh, it, it's a fun game. It's a blast. That is so cool. All right, your next, your number two. So this next game is actually a game that was released. So I called it Modern Indie Titles, but this is actually released in 2010, I believe, on the mm-hmm. um, Nintendo DS, actually. Okay. Um, although you can still buy it. Because I've heard of Might it. and Magic. Yeah, so, you know, Might and Magic was a, uh, originally, the original game was a dungeon crawler, like a first-person yes. dungeon crawler. And then they made one of my fa- top, probably top three games, if not top one game of all time, which was Heroes of Might and Magic uh, 3 specifically. 4 was also really good. 2 was also really good. Um, and that was a turn-based strategy RPG kind of game. Then this was a one-off they did, but and you can still buy it, and I think they still update it. People still play it online all, of, all the time. Uh, but it's called Might and Magic Clash of Heroes. Hmm. And oh my gosh, I... I mean, I, I completed the campaign um, and still I'm, I, I kind of want to go back now. It's been it's been a few years since I played it. So I kind of want to go back and do it all over again. But basically, um, the the main gameplay without getting into all the details, you know, I'll bring it up for you. Here's the main gameplay. And it's almost like you have it's almost like it comes across kind of like a board game. There is a character you're playing against and then you're down here on the bottom and you're basically you're you're battlefield here or whatever uh you have these characters depending on what um race you are so in this particular race he's got these like metal looking dogs and he's playing against these undead over here so he's got zombies going against him he's got dogs on his side right here and you're basically uh you can see they're all different colors there's three different colors i think depending on what race you are and it's kind of a falling block puzzle game in that more of these things will randomly come up from the bottom on your side or drop onto the opponents from the top. Um, and you you can move characters around. You only have so many uh, moves per turn. And your goal is to get three or more in a row. And if you get three in a row vertically of the same type of animal, same color, then they will glow. And I'll give a number here, like this says two, which means in two turns, they are going to shoot across the battlefield and attack the, the other player's uh, playfield. If you get them three horizontally, they become barriers. And if you do three horizontally, again, those barriers, they always move to the front. Uh, they will actually make your front barriers bigger. You can have small barriers and big barriers. Um, you can have um, large large characters that if you get those to attack, they're going to do insane amounts of damage, but they take like five turns to attack your smaller characters attacking only two, but do less damage. If you have, for example, they have three gray dogs here that are going to attack in two. And then they have another three gray dogs. They were able to make attack in two turns. Therefore they link together and they both powered up. So they're going to be stronger when they do attack. And I mean, I can like talk Voltron. Yeah, so now you can see the gravy. This undead army back here is doing the same thing, but they're all their yeah. characters and graphics look different. Uh, so that's the main gameplay: is you have your hero who has 100 health points. They have their hero who, in this case, currently also has 100 health points. Uh, that's not always the case when you're playing through the campaign. Um, different attacks do different things. I'm not going to get into all the details, uh, but here you can see a big old skull dragon just got ready to f- attack. He's got five now. 
Um, you can even press a button at the bottom if you don't have any, any good moves, and that will just dump more characters from the back. Um, and the idea is when, you're, when your characters attack, which you'll see right now, here it goes. They're like trains. They shoot up the, up the battlefield and attack anything in the way, and if they attack through that entire line, they can get all the way through and hit the um, like commanding officer, which actually attacks their health points. So they just achieved one whole damage. He's down to 99 now instead of 100. Yeah. That's the basic game, and it's a blast. But in addition to that, and this is what makes it just that much better because I love the gameplay. It's this like tactical, strategic, Tetris-like, columns-like, Magic the Gathering-like gameplay. Like all things I love. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find a good, <clears throat> good video of like so you can actually kind of pick your loadout. So you might you can earn objects and you can load your, your objects. I'll give you either special attacks or um, equipment that'll upgrade your characters somewhat. You can also pick which characters or which uh, yeah characters you want on the battlefield. As you go through, you earn more of them. So even though you can only have, I think, three total types of characters on the battlefield, you can choose out of like seven different types of what they're going to be. Um. I, I, without I'm trying to find let me, let me find some uh, here's a let's play let's see if this kind of shows some more um, of course it's going to ask me for you know <laughs> ads and all the fun stuff um, so this person is, is playing it on Steam here oh so you don't have to get on DS or it's available on other no, platforms it's, you can, too you can get it on pretty much anything now I actually did play it on the Playstation 3 even though I listed it here as a Nintendo DS Mm-hmm. So um, that's where I played the heck out of it. But you can see here that I think this should be the campaign. So there is some story going on here. Um, this kind of shows you the overworld map. You're a character. Uh, again, you can play different campaigns being different p- characters. I played through every single one. Um, and you come to these different points where you have battles. So you start off with just your simple characters. Uh, as you kind of learn, there's no tutorial. You just kind of learn on the spot. And uh collect things and go through the story and go to different worlds and unlock different portals and gather things all while playing this super fun kind of player versus player battling gameplay. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, it looks great. And and if I could get this on like a switch, I would love this. This oh, looks sure. like right I, I on my I bet alley. you it's on the switch now. I'm going to look. I'm going to look it up as soon oh, as we so log good, out. Eric. It is so good. No, it looks like it looks right up my alley. Looks like exactly the kind of game I would love to play. Can you even see me anymore? Or is it just so dark you can't even see me? I I see your face. Your <laughs> face is lit up, but behind <laughs> you is very dark. <laughs> All right. We're good. We're good. So that is my game number two. I think we are on to Eric's last game. Yes, which I've mentioned briefly on the show before. You have. But it, this game was the biggest surprise to me when I got it. Um because I heard it was kind of a clever kind of niche kind of game. And I was like, okay, well, I'll give it a shot. What the heck? And then I got it and I absolutely love this game. And it is because of many, many factors, not just gameplay. This game has um, one of the best soundtracks um, that I've heard in a, in a, in a game in the last couple of years. 
I mean, it's very yeah. fun and clever and very, very Japanese. If I, if I could say kind of jazz style, um, it is amazing. But one of the, one of the cool things, so I'll mention the game, Mon, Mon, uh, Mon Amour. Mon Amour. Mon Amour. French, yeah. right? Yes. And the game is about $8.99, but you can find it again. Sometimes it goes on sale and you grab it on sale. It's by a studio called Onion Games um, from Japan. One thing that got me hooked on this game was it is a single button game. You don't, there is no other controls, one button. And you know, a lot of the games like uh cannibal on the Commodore 64 and like, uh, um, that's like an endless runner that you jump over things. And then there yeah. are games like flappy bird, which, you know, you go through gateways. Um, <clears throat> so this is a single button game more in the flappy bird style. But when I first got it, I thought that's what it was. And I was like, okay, cool soundtrack. The graphics are really kind of cool, but you know, whatever it's, it's a single button game. There is so many layers of strategy in this game. I love it. I absolutely love this game. So you're this little dude and your goal is to get from one side of the screen to the other and to, and to kiss the girl on the other side. And so it's very pastel colors, very kind of cool. Getting all the ladies. Yep. So you're just trying to get the ladies. So you're like this dude with a hat and mustache and you're flying across as you. So the, the obstacles in your way are, there are buildings that start to encroach from the top and the bottom and the buildings start to get longer and longer and come down. Well, I don't know if you quite, so he's literally just kind of flying through the air and you have to keep tapping the button to keep him up. It's, you know, gravity's pulling them down. Correct. And he goes forward, at least at this point, very slow. So you're just kind of trying to, again, yep. like you said, Flappy Bird. But it's key to, to note you're this little French dude with a big mustache just kind of floating through the air for some Correct. reason while spinning every time you hit the button. Correct. So you think, well, big deal. I'll fly across screen, kiss the girl, done. So here's the few things that get in your way. The buildings come down, <clears throat> and there are a few ways you can knock the buildings back. Sometimes these forks will pop down with fruit on them. You grab the fruit and it'll knock the buildings back down just close to that fork. Um, another thing is sometimes you'll get these fruits pop out like cherries and melons and apples and stuff. If there's a green fruit that if you get an alarm starts to sound and you can just run into buildings and knock them out of the way. But as you go and you kiss the girl, this is the clever thing. There's a little dial that, that spins around the girl as you approach her. And if you approach her from more of the top, the arrow points down. So it's the opposite of when you touch the girl. And so what you're trying to do is shoot out these hearts. And it, it shoots out in the direction of the arrows. If you can make the arrows that you shoot out of the girl collide with the other hearts, they get bigger. As they mm. get bigger, they get lots more points. So watch this. The they shoot out and the and yep. the, the hearts get bigger. You can get the hearts so big they take up half the screen. And when you do that, they're worth like a million points. So the goal of the game really is to strategically kiss the girl in just the right direction. And she will shoot out her hearts to inflate the other hearts. That sounds silly and wild, <laughs> but it is amazing. Um by the way, when you when you kiss the girl, she she links up and you have all these girls linked up behind you. 
So as you hit buildings and stuff, they will drop off. So they're kind of your hit points. Oh, okay. Uh, So if you don't, if none of them get knocked off, you get a perfect, perfect Perfect. bonus. Perfect. You get a perfect bonus and it can be a lot. So at the end of 10 levels, there's a castle on the screen and you collect the stars and then you go into the castle. And if you go in the castle, it'll tabulate all your bonuses from, from doing the level. So many levels of cool stuff in this game. Um, and there is a global ranking. So right now I am ranked out of, I mean, there's like, I don't know, 30, 40, 50,000. I'm ranked 590, which I think is pretty good. I think it's pretty good for me, (laughs) but I've gotten to like, like this guy on the screen right now is on level four. I've gotten to like, I think level, um, level 60, I think. All right. I can't remember, but I've gotten pretty high up in the levels. I I absolutely adore this game, and sometimes I have to take a break from it because I play it too much. Mon amour. And then uh, I'll, I'll always go back to it. And the, the the soundtrack to this game is phenomenal. And and the, the levels do vary. There'll be these little things. Sometimes ghosts will fly around, and if you coll- ooh, excuse me, collide with them, you'll get hit points knocked off. Um I, I just can't say enough good things about this game. And, and everyone I've met, I've recommended this to, they get, some people have gotten it and they, they, they're like, Oh, it was okay. And then some mean. people, <laughs> so, and then some people that I get, like they'll, they just don't understand the, the how to actually contr- get the scores. It's a score based game. So you're trying yeah. to get, score the highest scores you can. Um, I, I absolutely adore this game. So um, anyway, that's that's my third and last pick. So keep in mind when we said you get the ladies at the end, they're furries. Mm-hmm. Of course, <laughs> they of course are. They are. They all have goat horns or chicken beaks or yeah. cat ears. So I, you raved about this game, and I'm I'm glad you love it. And so I, luckily, I got it when it was dirt cheap. I think it was one ninety nine or something on Super Sale on my Switch. Yeah. Um, I tried it a couple times. I can't get into it, but. Did anything that I said tonight like go? Oh, okay, maybe it might be more interesting because yeah, I mean the there are thing, layers of strategy in this game to get the high scores. For, to be honest, for me, the, the I mean it's an endless runner, so instantly I'm not a huge fan. The heart thing I didn't realize that is cool, but to me, I just had the hardest time controlling this dude. the The gravity pulls so quick and so hard; it was just I don't know. I had the hardest time controlling him, and that was just frustrating the heck out of me. Hmm. So maybe it's just I just suck at it. <laughs> I use a pro controller because I will admit when I tried this game on, I remember I was tr- traveling for work or something and I tried to use the joy cons and the buttons are just too small. Like I, I don't like okay. to flap in this game. You need a nice meaty button. <laughs> okay. Well, that's and, it. I've uh, only played the, portable. So yeah. So I use my joy, my joy, my um, pro controller and it's perfect for, for this game. Cool. Love it. I absolutely love this game. And I think if you played it, you would fall in love with the soundtrack because it is so cool. Um, anyway, that's my that's my third that's my third pick. Moan Amore. Nice. nice. And it's not a twin six shooter, so there's something. That is something, yep. However, this next game is <laughs> I well, I'll tell you more about this next episode, but long story short, I 
on a whim to try to decide to try Archvale. Saw it available. It was included with uh, Xbox Game Pass, of all things. Eric, that's right. Xbox Game Pass. Again, that story next episode. Yes. But, um, <clears throat> oh my gosh, Archvale. Uh, so cool. Uh, let me see. Where do I where do I go here? I'll just do the launch trailer here. Twin stick, uh, twin stick shooter, bullet hell, um, RPG, uh, with save points, pixel graphics. So here's these are little towns you can go into. Um, all kinds of different areas, you know, underground with mushrooms, uh, forests, of course, um, areas with gems here on. This is like a smup state. I'll, I don't know how to go. How do I want to explain this? Yeah. Ultimate, so you're, yeah. yeah. So I will say this about this game. I saw it on your list. Okay. In the notes. And I was like, Hmm. So I went and watched a video on it so that I could talk somewhat intelligently about it. Yeah. I went and bought it. You did. And on the switch and I played it in Hawaii when I was on vacation. Yeah. And I love it. It's, it's <laughs> okay, amazing. Good. It's awesome. So I, I can maybe help you out with some descriptions on this. <clears throat> so like when you're on that planet, that's like a bonus stage. You're yeah, running I, around and you don't fire. You just touch the little balls as they come up. Yeah, you got to catch like, 10, 10 gems that randomly appear while yep. you're being shot. It's, it's just bullet hell dodging those little bonus stages. Yep. But basically it's a bullet hell, bullet hell game where you do these single screen I, there's not no, I guess they, some of the screens do scroll now that I look at it. Yep. Um and you have weapons. Of course you have you can get helmets, you can get um armor and you can get like rings yep. uh, that increase different things uh, whether it's your uh defense skill, whether it's your magic ability, uh your ranged attack ability or your melee attack. So depending yep. on which weapons you have, it's either going to be specific to magic, ranged or melee. And um, so many different enemies that use different bullet patterns and react in different ways. And you kind of got to learn them all. Uh, but you learn them while you're playing. Of course, different enemies are going to be located in different areas. You know, forest enemies in the forest, uh, mine enemies in the mine. Um, and you're trying to collect these seven pieces of these kind of like the Triforce in uh, in Zelda. Uh, you're trying to collect these seven pieces of this arch. To, to create this arch um, and you are going through beating these levels in these different areas and you are trying to survive long enough to get to a fountain. When you get to a fountain, that becomes a save point where it fills up all your hearts again, all your, you know, your heart pieces. Um, and then it also gives you every time you find a new fountain, you get a new uh, bonus to your defense. Uh, yep. But there's so many other things you can find to upgrade. I'm not going to get into all of them. Uh, you can gain more hearts. You can gain what they call badges, and you have so many badge spots, and those da- badges might do things like uh, allow you to drop a bomb every time you do a dodge, or they might do something like increase all your melee attacks. Uh, they might add a heart. They might turn your heart into protective hearts, which last longer, but then at that point, you can't use potions to fill back, back your hearts back up. Um, the potions you have that fill up your hearts take a long time to drink so it's hard to use them during battle unless you get certain upgrades to make you drink them quicker absolutely love this game i could talk about it for a long time i literally just played it for 18 hours until i beat it oh you beat it wow. i beat it it's 
so flipping good. I think I'm maybe halfway through it. That last boss is an absolute killer. Um, (laughs) I got pretty angry at points, but I would say for the most part, I enjoyed the game when it was hard. It's because I saw a way through it and I I just wasn't playing quite good enough. Uh, There's multiple times. The boss fights are awesome. Uh, Multiple times where I had to play a part, you know, 10, 15 times before I finally got past it to a save point or beat a boss. Um, Hidden items. um, I don't know. It's... I love it so much. It's my game of the year so far this year. I absolutely love it. Yeah. I, I, a couple of things I, I really like about it. I like that. Um, the inventory system is really well done. Very easy to, to use. It kind of reminds me of Minecraft a little bit. Um, That's right. You can craft, you can, you, you can, can craft, craft and stuff like that. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you, uh, not only craft, but you can like upgrade your weapons by going to little, the little anvil in the, in the, in the things. Yep. Um, and the only, I guess it's not even a complaint. I think that's the way they designed the game though. Sometimes you feel very confined and you're, it's a bullet hell. So you're like, you're confined in a space. So you're really trying to dodge these bullets coming after you. And there's not a lot of space to maneuver sometimes. And depending on where you are in the map. Um, but so, so far I'm loving it. I mean, I, I didn't play it solely on my vacation, but I think I got about halfway through the game. So I'm really digging it. I, I it really is. I mean, if, if if I could just describe it in one sentence, it would be an RPG, bullet hell, twin stick shooter. Yeah, I guess I guess that's, that's the it. majority of it. I mean, there's some other things thrown in there, but yeah, that's yeah with crafting and yep. Uh, and I think the difficulty level. I played it right on medium. Uh, the difficulty mm-hmm. level is perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're it's not challenging, if you're not yeah. really good at bullet or at, at shooters, uh, do easy. I heard easy still pretty difficult, so you'll still enjoy a good challenge. Um, medium was I, I, probably just perfect for me. If it was any harder, I'd probably rage quit, quit over and over <laughs> and over again. Um, yeah. So I'm digging it. I'm glad oh, that I, I, snoo- I I'm glad I snooped on your notes and you did snoop snooper. I snooped and and went and bought it. I was kind of bored and wanted to take a couple new games with me on vacation. So, Archvale, very you must cool. Have, uh, you must. I must have put that on there and you just downloaded it like right when I started because I've only owned it for like ten days, maybe a little Probably. longer. Probably, I the the right when you put it in the notes, I think is when I went and grabbed it. So good, and I guess it technically came out in twenty twenty one. Let's see if I have any more details about it so we can actually talk about it. I don't even see. I don't even know if it's a true indie game or not. I know Heroes of uh, Clash of Clans or whatever it's called. Heroes of Might Magic Clash. Um, I mean, Heroes of Might Magic's not an indie developer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, now I'm curious what that is. Let's see. Arch Veil. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I forgot. Published by a humble game, so the people who make hum- humble bundle, yeah, yep, yeah, it's got oh, all it's a great game. Of- I agree with you, it's a great, great game, yep, 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 yep. And that is six good games, yeah, six great games, maybe even. Um, no, Modern I think War. all of them look really, <laughs> all of them look really interesting to me, yeah. I'm definitely gonna try, I'll, I'll try Baltimore and Blazing Beaks again. I just, I think I need to give them some time. Nuclear Throne looks amazing. Yeah, you got to get Nuclear Throne. That's been a classic of that I've played for many, many, many years. Like I said, one of the first games in my Steam library. Yeah, gotcha. 
Eric, that is an episode of Pixel yeah. Dead End. I'm looking forward to next episode with Tim. Tim will be joining us um, next episode, which will come out on June 30th. Again, we will be covering uh, a battle of systems between some kind of fighting, brawler fighting games. Uh, we'll be doing a game show. We will be catching up as usual. And all kinds of shenanigans will ensue. Uh, we are excited to do it. We are excited to have you guys along for the ride. Make sure you check out our show sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. Give Frank some love. Buy some cool Commodore, uh, Amiga, and 64 stuff, as well as some Tandy Cocoa stuff they have over there. Buy a shirt. Great looking shirt. I keep seeing them everywhere. People people love loving these shirts. I My wife approves. I've been able to wear it. Oh, that is awesome. Because yes. I'm like I said, like I said, I'm wearing mine right now. But I ordered something from Retro Rewind yesterday, which I will be talking about on the next episode. Very cool, very cool. And yeah. I have some some very cool updates as well. It was cool. not a month as as we've had recently in the past where nothing was able to get done. I, I got some gaming in, so I'm excited. Perfect. 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 All right, guys. Well, we will check you guys out in fifteen days or so. But yep. until then, remember. It's dangerous to go alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1149. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com.